Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Steroplast Healthcare Limited, setting the standards across the seven sectors. If you don't already know of them, get onto their website, www.steroplast.co.uk, to look at some of the great products that they do. We've got the boxing wraps, the Sterotape Zinc Oxide Tape, We've also got the Stereotape Premium and the Stereotape K. Now, we've got World Fight using this tape. We've got local fighters, including Charlie Schofield, Ben Sheedy, Jimmy Kelly, Callum Cook. They're all using this tape at the moment, and Steroplast are getting around to all the boxing gyms, and you will be able to purchase these items from steroplast.co.uk. Get over to that website, have a look, because the Stereotape and the Stink Oxide Tape aren't the only things that they actually do. They do provide equipment for emergency rooms, for hospitals, uh, other sports. They produce items for vets, uh, medical surgeries, GPs, first aid, defibrillators, things of that nature. So they're not just all about the Stereotape and the boxing wraps. Get yourself over there and have a look, www.steroplast.co.uk. Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Eat, Sleep, Boxing, Repeat. The place for the Northwest and Boxing News. News, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode 27 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basso, your host, as always, joined by co-host Cockle Jennings. We've got a stacked show this week for you. We've got some great fights at the weekend. We've got some great fights coming up this coming weekend. Uh, and we've got the Irish contingent on this podcast this week. And we'll talk about that, really, to start the show off this week. Uh, last week, we had a great episode. We really enjoyed it. We got great feedback. And that, that was the most positive thing out of last week's episode, the feedback that we received from 
Packy Collins, Niall Kennedy, uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, Ray Moylet, you know, all them four guys give us some fantastic feedback and it was really good to hear from them. So, Cahill, obviously, welcome back. I know you've had a busy time this week doing the interviews to get them on the show this week. Yeah, I know. It was uh, it was nice to do an interview. It did a, a few interviews after their kind of kind words last week. I I was just sitting on Twitter kind of flicking through and I seen Packy uh, Collins asking who the Irish guy was. They, they, they said some very nice things and they had some nice things and to say about the podcast and what we're doing and it gives you a nice feeling when you see people are kind of involved in the, in, the, in the boxing game like they are kind of give you a shout out saying that you know what you're talking about and that, that we're doing something that people are taking note of which is which is really exciting yeah it is uh, I really appreciate the feedback guys obviously I know you'll be listening to the episode when it goes live thank you for taking the time out to conduct the interviews with Cahill this week because we really appreciate him so it's an all Irish podcast again this week but I'm really happy to have the guys on it's a stacked show as well because we've got so much to cover on today's episode I'm just going to briefly go through it just to let the listeners know what's coming up because I appreciate with these episodes they're quite long and you might not always be able to catch the episode all the way through you might stop and then you might be at work or you might decide oh, i'll come back to that in a bit so i want to let you know what's to the, on today's show so we're going to look at the haymaker boxing bill over the weekend that's just gone i had uh, simon mann and belinda hamilton covering that for each sleep boxing repeat so we'll talk about that show and some of the notable fights on there we'll also talk about some of the fights over in america brief detail and then we've got a Niall Kennedy interview, looking forward to, to hearing from Niall. And then we've got my segment of Boxing History and On This Day coming up. We've got the Matchroom Bill coming up this weekend, headlined by Dillian White and Lucas Brown. Uh, and some of the undercard that we want to touch on this this week's episode. We've also got Cahill's segment, which is the Irish Boxing Update. So Cahill's come prepared, he's got some information to tell us, some updates about Irish Boxing this week. We've got Ray Mollett on the show as well, with an interview. And then we've got the final segment of the show, which is the news and gossip segment. So everything that's been going on over social media this week, some of the stuff, some of the controversy that we've heard again. And finally, leaving the best to last, of course, we've got Gary Spike O'Sullivan with an interview with Cahill, which I'm really looking forward to hearing his thoughts on the the announcement this week. So let's crack on, let's get into the show. It's episode 27. Let's talk about the Haymaker Boxing Bill at the weekend. So as I said earlier, I had Simon Mann, Belinda Hamilton down there at the York Hall, Bethnal Green to cover the show for us. And it was a pretty decent showing. There's some controversial stuff going on within the promotion on that night, which we'll talk about. Some of it was quite funny. Some of it was really, really interesting. And the main fight, which everybody sort of was interested to see what was going to happen in that fight. No, I'm not going to talk about the Joe Joyce fight. I'm actually going to talk about the Matty Askin Stephen Simmons fight because that was a British cruiserweight title fight. That was the fight that a lot of people were looking forward to on this particular card and it delivered in emphatic fashion. So, Cahill, talk me through that fight. How did you find that one going into the fight? How did you see it? Did you see how it actually went? Was you surprised with the, the outcome of it? No, well, I wasn't surprised. The Matty Askin fight was one that... I was surprised how quickly it was finished. The Joe Joyce fight fight again was one that didn't surprise me wasn't wasn't impressed with Palmer at all in the shape he showed up in and the Askin fight was the one that kind of was the most competitive one on the night in terms of what I had riding on it in terms of the British title it opens a lot of doors up for Matty Askin now and kind of the, he's going to be pushing on an opponents and a good first round stoppage and one of the, it's, it's one of those cards that I don't, they didn't market it right I think it was on Sport Bible or Lad Bible or something like that and then we got a couple of fights at half 10 which was it kind of turns me off to that kind of stuff because it doesn't give people a proper chance to enjoy the, enjoy the boxing if it's on a half 10 in the evening so we saw saw some good fights some very not so good fights but great to see um, Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat being down there and getting some good interviews getting some good pieces and kind of getting in with the big names like they 
David Hay and Joe Joyce. It was good to see. It was interesting to listen to uh, on, on on the Sunday. Yeah, we, I was really happy personally because it's a big step in the right direction for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats platform. It was yeah. good to hear from David Hay. It was good to, uh, you know, Simon Mann, the journalist that went and covered it for us. <laughs> what what they told me afterwards that I think they pissed a lot of people off because Simon didn't even give anyone a chance to get any questions and he was literally asking question after question after question. But he's an experienced journalist, so he knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants to ask. He knows the information. So it was good to hear from everybody afterwards. But going back to the fights, Matty asking, uh, was, you know, he was emphatic that win over Stephen Simmons. I honestly didn't expect it to happen so quickly. I did expect Matty asking to get the result over Stephen Simmons, but I didn't expect it to be over so quick. That body shot was pretty sickening, and as soon as he landed, I just knew for a fact he was going down and he weren't getting back up. It reminded me of George Groves and Jamie Cox a couple of months ago, the way that fight ended. Same scenario, really. Matty asking, emphatic win. My question now about Matty asking is, how far does he go, or how far do you think he can go? I think his next his next fight will be very, very tough. Whether it's in with Coley or something like that, is I see that asking could be I'm sure he'll be made a big offer for that British title now in terms of he'll be he'll get a big payday next and he's no slouch himself great body shot the other night but he could go in with the likes of Luke the Duke Watkins who we've had on the show yep. but I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Hearn had um, had a Coley kind of chasing down that title for me it's it's a very winnable fight for a Coley and it's one that I think that if if Eddie Hearn can get it over the line next I think that's what we'll see next. Asking look good the other night. I think it's tougher tests ahead, but I was expecting a tougher a tougher fight and a longer fight. Didn't get that, but um, I think Asking could be fresh enough now that he could jump in the ring. Maybe soon enough, who knows um, where Coley's at in terms of that. That's just me kind of matchmaking when <laughs> yeah. when um, when it comes to it. But I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Hearn kind of saw that as a kind of, yeah, this is, this is a real chance of getting that British title and kind of pushing the Coley on more. A very tough fight if, if, if it was to come off in Asking. He, he, he did what he had to do. And there's some big fights out there in the cruiserweight division. Isaac Chamberlain is on the way back. Maybe Eddie Hearn might kind of say, yeah, it's a great comeback fight for him and he can win the British title. But I think Akolia could be next if Eddie Hearn has his way. But there is also uh, Luke to do Watkins out there who um, who will definitely be putting his name into that hat. But there's there's no there's no list of options. There's no shortage of options for asking at the moment. He uh, I, I think he has a price on his head. And I think a lot of people want to be claiming that. It looked good. Uh, I, I, you know, I was really impressed with... Matty Askin at the weekend, emphatic performance, lots of potential opportunities for him, as you've mentioned there. So we're just going to have to see now what happens and how it establishes over the next six months, say, of this year. Going back to the Joe Joyce fight, Donny Palmer, what sort of shape was that guy in? That was absolutely ridiculous. You know, he took his top off and yeah. he, he had he had breasts bigger than my wife. And, and that's exactly what my wife said when she was watching it as well. She's like, you know, he's got bigger boobs than me, him. <laughs> and then he looks like he looked like he was wearing a nappy. I, I actually didn't realise that was all him. But on a serious note, that was really bad shape to be in. It was shocking. I wasn't expecting that. And I just knew as soon as he took that top off and I seen his body, I knew this wouldn't last very long. And it didn't. And Joe Joyce come out, couple of shots, couple of I think it was the combination he threw first, tried to work the body. Next thing we know, he clobbers him with an overhand right and it's game over. And that's it. And we've talked about Joe Joyce a lot on the podcast uh, as of recent weeks, and we said these types of fights don't do anything for him, and that that again just shown, yeah, okay, you, can, you know, we know he can punch, we know he can punch hard, but when he's fighting somebody out of shape like that, it's not really going to do anything for his career in my eyes. And now, really, what we need to see is the fight with Chisora. Now, obviously, in the post-fight presser, 
the question was asked to David Hay about Chisora potentially fighting Takam, and he said no, it's not happening on the Hay Belly undercard. They've given him the offer. Now it's down to Chisora to take that fight. That's the fight we want to see. We want to see whether or not Joe Joyce can be any more than, than you know the level he's at at the moment. They're rushing him, and I understand why they're rushing him. But we need to see that fight now. We need to know whether or not he's going to make it because if he can't beat Chisora, uh, as as Chisora's. I would like to say he's probably on the slide a little bit now and I think if you can't beat Chisora then I can't see him going anywhere other than British if that so that's the fight I want to see for Joe Joyce next is Chisora on the Hey Bell You undercard and I know we've mentioned it in previous weeks we need to see it now it's as simple as that we, we need to see the fight uh, Cahill again you touched on the fight a little bit earlier on I'm sure you expected exactly the same as I did when Donny Palmer took his top off no, it was one that he doesn't look in any kind of shape. It it almost looks as if he hasn't put any training in at all. It, it it's one thing to show up to a fight, maybe kind of we haven't had a good camp, but it doesn't look like he's had any camp at all. And this isn't going to do Joe Joyce any kind of favors. He was looking for a big fight with the likes of Derek Chisora, and all he could do was fight was put in front of him. But what was put in front of him wasn't a whole lot. And Donny Palmer could only it, it was almost like a matter of time from the start of the fight. He looked sluggish, nothing about him, kind of in there because you'd kind of be wondering what who who would want this kind of fight to be made. It, it was it was to make Joe Joyce look good, but it was at the same time it kind of damages what they're trying to do. They're trying to push him on, um, they're trying to they're trying to make him one of the shining lights in British heavyweight boxing. But these kind of fights aren't going to do for him. As I said, he can only put fight what's put in front of him. I don't think it'd be Derek Chisora next. By the sounds of it, it's not going to be the fight. But there's plenty of other options out there. There's Gary Cornishes. There's that kind of there's those kind of um, those kind of opponents who have been mixed it with. With, with some real quality, but are going to fight back. Like It seems, I think you, you've said it before, Sean, where it seems like Joyce is, he started off great. We were exciting to see that he was fighting guys like Ian Lewis and, because you're kind of going, oh, if this if this carries on, he's in a, in a few fights, he's going to be he's going to be a lot further on, and he's going to be fighting good names, and he's going to be in a good place. Right now, it's kind of they've done it in reverse. I don't know if they're trying to protect him. I don't know if, if it's just going to get these kind of little fights out of the way. But the other night, Donny Palmer wasn't up to much. He didn't look up to much. He literally, if you had seen him fight in a pub car park, you wouldn't be surprised because that's the kind of shape he turned up in. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And I like we both agreed. We need to see Joyce in bigger names now. They want to push him on. It needs to happen. Uh, moving on the card, Wadey Camacho had a great fight. Uh, it was a rematch with Danny Cousins, and it was the first Southern Area title again, and he won it. And he, he looked pretty dominating. I must say so myself on that one. He looked pretty good in that fight. But again, Wadey Camacho is another guy who you know he's, he's proven at a certain level, but he's not proven past that certain level. And again, he's shown good fighter, good fighter at that level for sure. But you just can't really see him going any further than the level that he's at at the moment. And... I, I enjoyed the fight. I don't think Cousins really, you know, he's a warrior, but he didn't really give a fantastic account of himself. He looked quite sloppy at times, and the writing was on the wall really for the, from the first three rounds of the fight with that with that particular one. I'm happy for Camacho. Done well. He's 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 got the Southern Area title again, and he's just pushing for them the money fights now. I think I can't I can't see where he's going to go from here. Decent fight. What did you make of that one? It was what it was. It was it it, it wouldn't have set the world alight, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have impressed too many people. But Wadi Camacho is, is another one of them that he's kind of in and around that that kind of part of his career now, where he might get a chance at a British title. I'd be surprised if he did. He did well against someone that he's beaten before. He's fought Danny Cousins before. He's beaten him before. So it wasn't one that a rematch that everyone was looking forward to see. So it was it was what it was. Camacho looked okay. Didn't he didn't do himself any favors? I think David Hay said in the week that he needed to put in a great performance because he wanted to be in the in with the likes of Askin and kind of pushing on for that kind of British title shot. But it, 
his name might have slipped a little bit down the list after that. And he's no slouch, but he, he, he I don't think the British title would be one that he'd be fighting for next. But there's maybe Commonwealth titles and stuff like that out there that he could fight for. But the, the kind of card the other night was... I wouldn't say it was a disappointment. It was it was a good card. There was it wasn't a whole lot of talent on show. What you wanted to see from Joe Joyce, we didn't really see. And then other than that, Haskin Haskin was the was the shining light. But I think Camacho in a, in a in a okay fight. But for me, I think when you see David Hayes saying during the week that he wanted the big fights, that he needs to he needs to prove himself to get these big fights, considering what age he is and his kind of record. But I don't think he did that on Saturday evening. No, no, I know. Like I said, I think a fight did more harm than good because of the level of opponent he was in with. But going back to the card, like you just mentioned there, there was some. It was an alright card, to be fair. I mean, there was a lot of up and comers that were on the card. That really, uh, you didn't really get to see a lot of them because a lot of them was on from sort of five o'clock onwards, and the sport bible didn't go live till just after eight o'clock. So you missed like uh, Linus Idover, uh, U- 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 and you missed Ricky Heavens, and you missed uh, Dan Dan Keelan. So you missed a few of the up and comers on the card who all picked up victories there uh, so I thought I'd give them a mention because you know these guys they, they, they're striving to get somewhere in the career and he wasn't really given the televised exposure that you would have expected but as it is what it is I suppose one of the other fights that were televised did get to see uh, on the sport bible was a Muslim boxer a Muslim female boxer Roxana Begum transitioning over to, from being a world Muay Thai kickboxing champion to becoming a boxer now i know for a fact that she got slated for this fight and it was quite comical actually at the beginning because everybody's seen it everybody's seen the fact that they were saying they needed groin guards and david a made me laugh because he, got, he comes on the mic and he's like well, they ain't got anything to protect you know typical david a he doesn't he doesn't care what he says and how he says it he just says it and he was just saying they haven't got anything there to protect but it is uh, it's a legal requirement they needed it they need to have them protect that protection either way and they didn't have it and it caused a bit of a stir caused a bit of a, a bit of comedy actually and i bet there was other promoters out there laughing uh, david hay as a promoter because these are the types of things you would have expected to have been sorted but in terms of the performance itself it must have been difficult to be honest with you for Roxana because she's going in there with this promotion behind her from David Hay and co and she said in the post-fight interview to us that she'd not actually had any other experience in boxing she literally transitioned straight from kickboxing to boxing she'd been in training obviously for a couple of months but no actual experience no amateur fights in boxing so it must have been a bit of a difficult transition for her to be fair i think people assume that if you can fight at kickboxing level you can just transition straight into boxing it's not always the case and sometimes it takes a little bit longer to do that so i think she was unnecessarily slated i can understand why people did slate it because it did look at times pretty sloppy and it wasn't the greatest performance in the world and the the, the lady that came over for i think it was from belgium at, at one point looked like she was going to take this fight it was scored a draw in the end but i think some people were arguing if you looked at the live streams and the comments on the live streams were saying, no, I don't think Rosanna Begum should have won this. I think a draw was a fair result in the end, to be fair. I don't think she actually won it outright. She didn't clearly win it the first couple of rounds. She didn't look like she you know, she was doing really well, but then she started to pick it up a little bit in the later, the, the latter half, which was the final two rounds. So it's just one of them. She's a raw. She needs more experience under her belt before you can just make a judgment like that because that's not I don't think that's fair to judge it just based on that what do you think Cahill did you catch that yeah no I did catch it and it wasn't um, it wasn't one for the boxing purists I'd say that um, it's it, 
I dated Hay said during the week again that he could see her fighting Nicola Adams, and I'm kind of going, where, where's he getting that idea that that, that could <laughs> yeah. happen when you look at the other night? Starts off with a draw, and you can they can, they can get people you just throw someone in the ring on a televised show, and the performance wasn't great for me either. It was almost as if um, David Hayes seeing that female fighters are getting signed up, and he's like, I, I need a female fighter as well because I need to put her on my card as well. And it, it just doesn't, I think if you're going to be serious about boxing and putting these fighters on television, they need to have some experience in the ring, not just the first fight and she comes out with a draw and she doesn't start off great. And that's just kind of going to hang over until we do get to see the, the kind of real Roxana. But she's a brilliant, she does have a brilliant um, combat record and I do think she will come good. I think she just needs time. I think maybe on on smaller cards than that, maybe starting earlier in the night. But it was it was it's it was strange to see the a kind of performance like that on on a card like that. It was kind of one where they're kind of saying like we're 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 serious about this kind of promotion side of it, and and Roxana could only fight was put in front of her, but she does need more experience, and she need, and she and she needs time. I know she's thirty four, but she needs time. I think the, David Hay saying things like she's going to be in with Nicola Adams anytime soon. It needs he needs to kind of. To quell that straight away, he needs to kind of realise that um, he's working with someone. It's it, it's like saying that Conor McGregor could get in with an Olympic kind of uh, an Olympic athlete, get in with Floyd Mayweather like he did is the kind of thing. So they they need to kind of um, they give her time. Um, it wouldn't be on her side at thirty four, but if she's serious about it, I'm sure she'll put the work in, and I'm sure she has David Hayes back in as well. So it it just. The main thing is going to be time, a lot of training, but she was very green tonight, and that and that came through. Uh, I think next time, if she puts in a better performance, then, then it might get the ball rolling. Uh, at the moment, it it, it, it didn't look good the other night, let's just say that. Yeah, no, it wasn't the best, but like I said, you know, it's, un- it's unfair to judge her in the first fight, to be fair, with no experience other than kickboxing experience. It is, it is a different sport, and you do different things in the sport. You might train in a similar way, but you can't really you can't really just judge her off one fight. So I'll, I'll give her benefit of the doubt that she's got an opportunity now to start pushing on. And at 34, like Joe Joyce, she's going to need to push on pretty quickly if she's going to make anything out of her career as a female boxer. Let's move over to the USA. And I'm going to touch on the fight, which I know a lot of people loved it because... It was St. Patrick's Day last Saturday. Everybody loves St. Patrick's Day. We talked about it on last week's episode. Michael Conlon was in action over the weekend and he picked up a great win for David Burner. And again, people are talking about Michael Conlon as uh, the next big Irish superstar. What did you make of that one? Yeah, Michael looked good and he's impressed in every fight, which is which is great to see. He's improved and he's, uh, he's now with Adam Booth. So I think the next, the next few fights are going to be kind of, they're going to become tougher. They're going to be they're going to be better opponents, but I think Conlon is good enough now, and I think he's with possibly the best trainer for me in Britain. I think Adam Boots, if he's there with a fighter from when they're young, and he can instill what he what he believes boxing boxing should be, I think we're we're going to see a lot from Mike Conlon. Putting in a good performance, he's undefeated still, and he's doing well out in America, and he's kind of building that fan base. I think I'd like to see him fight over here and either in over in kind of the British Isles, but the the guy David Burner was. It was no slouch, uh, had a winning record. So they're not putting him in with tomato cans and he's just smashing them over. He's uh, he's showing how good he is. I think the amateur background is really kind of, um, he's standing in a good stead. And I, I, exciting times for Michael Conlon. I think uh, 2018, I think he's going to push on and we could see him two, maybe three more times. And it's exciting times. I can't wait to see how how, how, um, 
how things go with Adam Booth because I, I, I can only see them going really, really well. He's got the right trainer, that's for sure. Adam Booth, the master tactician. We've seen him pull things out of the bag for David Hay. We've seen him pull things out of the bag for George Groves. We know how good of a trainer he is. So we know Michael Conlon is in the right hands at the moment. And I think he will guide his career in the right way. And that's what's exciting about it because you know when you're with somebody like that, that type of partnership is going to really do well. And as long as the, the matchmaking is also accompanying that, then we're really going to see how good Michael Conlon can be in the next few fights. Great performance. Really enjoyed watching the fight. The, the following morning and great response on social media for it you know a lot of the Irish fans probably nursing fantastically great hangovers from St Patrick's Day so they was all watching the highlights of it and it was fantastic to see the love the guy gets on social media so obviously congrats to Michael Conlon again we'd love to get him on the podcast sometime soon that's definitely one that I'd love to get on so moving on speaking of people we wanted to get on the show at the top of the show, we talked about the feedback we got for last week's episode from the Irish guys and the Irish fighters. Uh, the first interview you conducted in the past week was with Niall Kennedy, and that interview is going to come on uh, right about now. I just wanted to run through kind of how you got started in boxing. Uh, how did you get started in boxing? Now? I started at my brother, my older brother, well, I have only one brother, but he was in the Gory Boxing Club, and uh, I went down when I was eight, seven or eight, and went down trained and just fell in love with it and very lucky I made very good friends in it that kept me in it till I turned pro I suppose when I was 30 I gave up for a while when I was 15 um, and they leave at me in an order in semi-final and I went to Westmouth there for a while but I came back when I was 21 and won an intermediate title and started to yeah won an intermediate title in 2007 and just sort of stayed in the game really then and what made, what made you you're a full time um, a full time guard police officer here in Ireland what made you make the decision to become a boxer as well what was it What like a professional boxer to uh, it, as if you didn't have enough on your plate already was it something that um, were you approached or was it something that you wanted to you wanted to give it a try no I tell you I, um, I hadn't really dedicated enough time or put enough effort into when I was an amateur and I never really saw the best of myself and I knew that as well and that was bothering me and I um, I got a couple of close, well I wouldn't say bad decisions but I was on the wrong end of a lot of close decisions in the Nationals um, from, 2000 and, from 2012 up to 2015 and I sort of thought that look I, I either packed it, it was taking too much out of me, I, I, I was taken down in the dumps over it and I was wrecking my head so I went away with the my wife and we're over there talking and she says why don't you just pack it in and go back hurling the football and I said yeah I said the only thing I'll do I said I'll send Pascal a message and see um, his interest because I, I, I'd been up sparring with Pascal's toes and I just I clicked with Pascal he took me on the pads whenever I went up and we got on fairly well and I just said right I, I'll see if he's interested and Pascal is a very straight talker so he said to me no look he said I'd love to train you but you're 30 years of age and a heavyweight with no massive amateur pedigree, he said, let me see if I have someone that's willing to work with you. So we we sent a couple of amateur videos to Ken Casey and they brought me over a box and two or three other shows then as a pro. And I, th- I think, I, I didn't have an answer to your question, I think it was more out of the fact that I, I, did, I wanted to see how good I could be and I, I knew I hadn't ever done that in the pros or in the amateurs. Um, that I, I had sort of nerves got the better of me I say a good few times and then preparation wouldn't have always been good and so I just wanted to see how far I could go at it and see where it, where it end up I suppose and then when I'm probably or not um, 
the longer rounds seem to be suiting me better than amateur boxing. I don't know if you've ever boxed, but if you lose the first round in amateur boxing, you're sort of in panic mode straight away. No, so, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I just said I'd give it a try. If debut went well, and then, believe it or not, the goal was to win my debut, and then when I won my debut, was to try and go five fights unbeaten, and then when I'd done that, it was to see if I could win a belt, because I'd never won any titles really as a senior boxer in Ireland and when I won the first belt it was to see how far it was going now it's just got to the stage that by the end of 2018 I really want to be in the top 20 in the world and I want people to not just people in America or in Boston or New England area but I want people worldwide to start to be saying Mike Henry can box a little bit And how do you find the balance between working full time and boxing you have family at home as you said how do you actually find the balance do you have any downtime or are you, are you constantly going? Oh constantly going I'm lucky, I, my bosses and work are being very helpful, like they're, they're letting me walk up hours so that I can take hours to go training and stuff like that, so today, like for example, I was in work at 7, and then I'd go to Pascal's and I'd train, I took two hours to go to Pascal's train and then train drive home and, and leave, had training at 7, hour and a half, 6, so I'd do the baby then and back now, so she's just making sure he's asleep, so yeah, it, look, it's hard to work it, please God, someday. What would you see as a, a successful 2018 for yourself, Niall? You were busy uh, in 2017. Is it about keeping busy now or is it about picking the right fights for yourself at the moment? I, that, the picking of the fights is absolutely nothing to do with me. I, not, I, I fight anyone. It makes no odds. I'm 33 years of age. I'm 34 in May. I, I'm, not going to, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest, the strongest heavyweight in the world, but I have, I have things that are going on my side. Um, I'd like to be busier, believe it or not. I'd only three fights in 2017. Anyone that knows me, I'd rather stay training. I don't really like taking breaks and stuff like that. But we've, um, the way it is now, we've had one. We were penciled in for June 23rd, which is a big fight. I, I don't know much details on it, but I see it's it's down for a 10-rounder and I'm headlining the show. So I'd, we're hoping that it'll be a USDA title or one of them NABA titles, sorry. Um, Jason Quigley holds on at the minute, you know, so that type of a title to sort of put me into the into the top 20 of a, a couple of governing bodies and, and see where it goes from there. And is the plan to keep boxing America under Dropkick Murphys? Yeah, yeah, no, the plan, I've signed the contract and loyalty is a big thing with, for me and also for Ken as well, like we, he brought me over five times without any contract being signed and it's, I'm not going to be a millionaire with this sport or anything, but at least if I left it, knowing that I hadn't dirtied me big with anyone, I'd be happy. Like, you know, and he's, he's been very good to me the very first time. I boxed in America. He um, gave me the keys to his own home apartment that his family stayed in, and he said that he can stay there. Like, you know, so that's hard to trust. Yeah, you have to repay, I think. And in 2018, maybe 2019, would being on a card fighting maybe in, in Ireland be something that would be of a, of interest to you at being an Irish fighter? Is it something that you'd like to see big-time boxing come back to these shores? Yeah, and hopefully there's, like, there's so many talented fighters at the minute. If, like, I, I'm not going to look outside of my own gym even. There's so many to mention, but, like, Spike is on the, on the press of the web there now. He could, if he gets this big fight next, there's nothing to say that maybe he get a big fight at home as well and, and Ray Milet is doing very well and in my opinion then you have Stephen Armand who's probably the most talented fighter well he's the most talented fighter I've ever worked with just doesn't seem to get the breaks but like I don't know I, I think that if you were to go through names and if you were to pick your top I'd say if you were to pick your top 10 professional boxers in Ireland I wouldn't even be inside in the top 10 I think the country is absolutely flying like you Craig O'Brien is another one 
saying that lady fights, she should country, we should nearly have a Manny Pacquiao event nearly for her that we should film because she's put like ladies boxing is what it is because of Katie Taylor. We need to appreciate her a little bit more. Oh yeah, I was just going to ask you that now. Do you think she doesn't get the credit or she doesn't get maybe the, the coverage that she should given that she's a world champion going for unification it doesn't seem to be covered um, much here do you think that she probably should get more kind of notoriety than she actually does she definitely doesn't get enough attention um, I think she gets a good bit of attention but she doesn't get enough like this I don't know I, I, I don't know how you could compare it but like I'm sure Serena Williams and I'm sure people of that ilk in female sports get massive attention like, but what we have to be proud of in this country is that the Katie nearly is women's box you know she nearly won single-handedly got it and now like it's it's so nice to see her boxing with a smile on her face again she looks really happy and she she looks like she's that hunger and enjoyment back so I yeah look she I both look, you know and I know we're an amazing country we're brilliant and we get behind her own but then there's a lot of people would like to put down their own as well and she definitely doesn't get the credit she deserves like she's amazing she's in my opinion she's the top athlete in the country by far you mentioned um working in Celtic Warriors gym what is it actually like working in that gym um, training in that gym preparing for fights in that gym you have some big names there Spike O'Sullivan Steel Warman um, it's really buzzing at the moment especially with Spike perhaps getting the big fight with Canelo in September so what what is it like uh, going up there after work and stuff like that and training there that's brilliant and, and you switch on straight away because look you're coming into a gym where everyone else is putting 100% in and, and there's a fantastic atmosphere in the gym because there's amateurs come in and there's pay as you go people training and it's known we all mix really well but like right there you have Spike who's training who's massive massive fights around the corner but if you look at him now his sole concentration is on May the 4th he doesn't have an opponent for May the 4th yet but he knows that May the 4th is important that he can't be thinking of them other big fights till May the 4th is done and dusted like you know and then you have Ray Milet is on the swing bout on the Golden Boy show on the 31st Craig O'Brien is, is doing on real things so he's after winning an Irish title and a BUI title in his last two fights and then you have Stephen Armand I think like I think he's the most, one of the most talented fighters in the country and he got blatantly robbed on, on telly the last time but it's just it, it, it seems that now no one wants to really take the risk and fight him and he, he deserves big fights he doesn't deserve to be fighting journeyman or coming in as like he, he still has world title ambitions and if he ever boxes to the potential that he does in the gym he'll win monsters because he's, he's exceptional I've seen him I won't mention names but I've seen him smash up some of the best lightweights in the world one thing I did want to touch on was um, Packy Collins. How important is he to your to your career? And do you think you would be where you are today without him? No, no. I I I'd be back hurling for now then and Gory here and um, hurling badly probably as well at this stage. <laughs> but no, I, I I would have been finished if it wasn't for Pascal. He's just he's a very good man manager. He's an exceptional trainer and um, and he manages me as well. And he just yeah. He's been around the game all his life with his brother Steve and then his own career. And, you know, he's seen he's seen the good and the bad of boxing. So his experience is second to none. And look, it seems to be working. He he, he found that was with me being a guard and with the surname Kennedy, he thought that there would be a big option in, in America. And it seems to be working. Like, you know, the crowd seems to be getting bigger. And, uh, it's starting to pay dividends. Now I've got myself into a was in the top. in the right direction I, 
yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like it's a journey that I didn't anticipate being on. And then there's other things as well. Like he's a very good like, people with no Pascal has studied psychology and sports psychology and stuff, and he's very good at like I went. We had the baby that very premature last year, and he was able to pick up on that, and he's able to like he'll know if I'm tired on days, and he'll he'll maybe change training, but he, he can focus your mind very well. Like, you know, he he switches things on really well. He's an extremely intelligent man who who knows the game inside out. Thank God. You, you, as you said, you had your uh, premature baby MJ there last year. How is MJ doing and what was it like having to go to America to fight with that kind of happening in the background? Was it very hard to uh, kind of prepare for a fight with your mind in it at all and how important were the people around you at that time? Yeah, I'm blessed. Like, I've probably said that a thousand times, but like, I, I have a, a really good wife and amazing woman and leaves that supports me through everything. And, yeah, it was hard. There's no, it looked very hard and, and maybe I, at the start, um, I think it was five weeks out for the fight that MJ was born and, and he was born on the 8th of August and the fight was the 15th of September so I think it was about five weeks out and it was sort of like I, I thought maybe, maybe we should pull out of this and she knows me better than I know myself really and she said that you're better when you have something to concentrate on keep concentrating on it and going towards it so it was literally it was just I think MJ was a blessing in disguise I never I never had well he's definitely a blessing in disguise he's the best thing that ever happened to me but he, I never had a chance to think about the fight whatsoever all I could think about was him was getting to work was getting to train and getting to the hospital making sure knees was okay well, I was too busy to get up to work to get worked up about the fight which was probably the best thing that could have happened because I remember the shock I had when I arrived at Foxwood Casino on, on the 14th of September and here's my name up on the Is MJ, he's doing well now, is he? Oh, he's thriving, yeah. He's, he's, I'd say, looking at him this evening, looking at, he's after finding his voice this evening, he's screaming, letting shouts open because he's on, it's the first time he's heard it. So, no, he's thriving and he's, he's putting on weight. I'd say he's going to be a heavyweight by looking him. So he's gone into a fine big chap, thank God. That's great to hear. Now, one thing I did want to touch on, um, we've seen pictures of uh, yourself um, with um, Anthony Joshua. How did, how did the coming sparring come about how did, how did that all happen and and how was that experience for you how did what difference did that make and is it something that could happen in the future is it something do you keep in touch with anthony joshua at the moment um well, i i'm not in touch i if he sends a message that we contact but i'm not really contacting him the man i say is up the walls is he any i will i this week we, we were hoping to get back over and they had asked and for whatever reason now they don't they don't need us this week, but I was hoping to be back over there this week for sparring. But yeah, it, it was Pascal um, and Eddie were talking, and I think Eddie had asked about seeing the footage of the Santos fight. The Santos was IBO international champion, and Anthony is IBO world champion, so I suppose he, Santos was probably on the radar. Um, and when I got Santos, then I think they wanted to see the fight. And, and they brought me over for the sparring that was for the Pulev fight and then Pulev got injured and I got brought back over then just for his last bar before attacking. So yeah, it was, it was good and he's a lovely man and it started shows you it's a very good grammar as to, uh, grammar as to where you are like because he said this loads of times as well but I, I always like he is the top of the mountain he 
heavyweight division is really buzzing at the moment and AJ is, is a huge part of it uh, how do you see his fight going with um, with Parker coming up uh, at the end of the month the fury there i just wanted to get your opinion we see uh, we see tyson fury seems to be slimming down more every day what do you make of his comeback and do you think he can come back as good as he was two years ago Good to hear from Niall there. It was good to hear him after the back of obviously last week's episode. And Cahol, it must have been fantastic for you because I know you'd mentioned these guys' names on a few separate occasions in the podcast episodes that we've done. And it must have been a, a great honour really for you to get that feedback, like you said at the top of the show. But not only that, to get the interview off the back of it as well. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great to catch up with Niall. Um, it's great seeing Niall coming through now. He's, uh, as I said on previous shows, undefeated. Looks like he's going to be back out in June over in the States. But such a nice fella to talk to, such a gentleman, kind of generous with his time and, and always quick with a reply and stuff like that. So 
it was it was great to catch up with him after after the kind words from last week from all the guys and it was uh, really really appreciated that they're willing to do interviews and stuff like that after because it was uh, it's great to kind of um, to see that as I said the guys are listening and it's great to be able to sit down over a few minutes and just and, and have a chat with them about their careers and about um, kind of the, the, the where they've come from in the sport and it, it's great to kind of it's great to get an oil side of things he's been through it a little bit in terms of when it comes to his boxing life you'll hear that in the interview but yeah. uh, I think 2018 and the the years ahead are, are exciting times for him. Yeah, absolutely. The guy's living a double life. He works, for, you know, he's doing a full-time job and boxing at the same time. I want people to listen to this particular part now of the episode just because Niall on social media, if you don't already follow him, then give him a follow. But one thing he's looking for in his career is sponsorship to go with the sponsorship he currently has. As a fighter, sponsorship is so important. It's so important to get to that next level by providing either financial sponsorship or it could be sponsorship in form of meal preparations or hand wraps like the uh, sponsor of this podcast, Steroblast Healthcare Limited. You know, there's people like that out there that provide great services to boxers and if there's any companies or people that work for companies that listen to this podcast and might think, you know what, I like the sound of Niall Kennedy. I, I might get in contact with my boss and see if I can get a sponsorship going for him. Please do. Please get in contact with him across Instagram or across Twitter. You'll find him on there and get in contact with him because the guy, he's looking to take himself to that next level and you can't fault anyone for trying to do that. So anybody that's looking to maybe get some advertisement through a fighter, Niall Kennedy's your man. Moving on. My segment for this week, Boxing History, the one that I love so very much. Two fights that have been brought to my attention this week. The first one I'll talk about, and the second one is definitely one for you, Cahill. first one is Mike Tyson, going back to the 80s. It's the 21st of March, and it's 1988. Mike Tyson defending the WBC, WBA, and IBF titles in Tokyo against Tony Tubbs. The victory... Second round, typical Tyson victory, of course. Bombardment of punches, combinations, uppercuts. You know the score. You've seen his fights. Great victory for Mike Tyson in this particular fight. He just looked phenomenal at this point of his career. This is when he was what everybody would class as his prime at the ripe age of, I think he was about 20, 21 at this time as well. So he picked up that great victory, which actually led him on to become... Uh, the undisputed title because he went on to beat Michael Spinks to unify the division completely after this particular fight with Tony Tubbs. But that's the first one, Mike Tyson beating Tony Tubbs on March 21st, 1988. The second one, a little bit more in recent times and one that I know is very close to your heart, Coffell, and definitely the Irish fans too, was Bernard Dunn beating Ricardo Cordoba in the 11th round for the WBA Bantamweight title back in 2009. Just touch on that, call because I know it was one that, you, that sticks out in your memory as a fight you'll never forget. Yeah, it was. It, it's that one. The fight I was talking about last week, uh, nine years ago. Does it doesn't feel like it actually? I remember how nervous I was watching the fight, and we had the famous Jimmy McGee commentating. A lot of Irish people will know who Jim McGee is, and it just the excitement around that fight. Six knockdowns. It had everything. Um, I, I, I don't know how many times I thought Bernard Dunn was finished or he wasn't going to get up and the, the the excitement that was coming out of the screen that day for our sport as I said they won the they won the Six Nations that day as well it was just so exciting and it, you were engrossed in the fight you, you you just wanted Bernard to get over the line you, he um, he was in with, a, in with a good operator in Cordoba and it was one that I didn't think he'd get through in the 11th round to come through and you, they just both fighters just looked so tired and it looked like you didn't know what way it was going to go or how the judge was going to see it but Bernard made sure that he didn't leave it to the judges and uh, he made sure that he got Cordoba out of there and he, did, he, he didn't have um, 
the greatest run with the title, but it's probably it's up there with one of my fondest memories in boxing. Purely through the kind of the excitement it gave me, the kind of the the feeling it gave me, the kind of passion I had towards boxing after that. And and Bernard Dunn's always one of those names that um, he works with Dublin GAA team now, and it's it's a name I always associate with that kind of time when he, I remember that Saturday evening sitting down um, in my grandparents' house watching it, and just just how exciting it was. And it, it's one of those fights. Every time I kind of see it, it kind of it kind of brings it back and kind of how exciting it was. And I urge anyone who hasn't seen that fight to to treat themselves maybe one of the evenings over the weekend, sit down and watch that fight because you'll be in for a treat. And it's one of them that even though you you may know the result now, you'll you can't help but get to be enthralled by that being grossed in the fight it's it's just so exciting it's a piece of boxing history that will will always be there and it's something uh, especially in sort of Irish folklore and Irish boxing that will always be there because of the, um, the the fight itself was amazing now I didn't watch it at the time it happened I did actually retrospectively watch the fight I think it was like a year maybe afterwards, 2010, 11, something like that. But watching that fight back, you just get chills watching it. You know, there's only one other fight that that, get, that gets me the same sort of feeling that you were describing there. Uh, and that was Ricky Hatton and Costa Zoo because I was a massive Hatton fan. And that that particular fight sends, it even sends chills up my spine watching it now. It's, it's, it's just one of them fights. And the Bernard Dunn and uh, Cordoba fight is exactly the same. When you watch the fight, you, you just think to yourself, you wait, you, you know it's coming because you know the knockdowns are coming, but it's, when it happens, you're still like, oh, wow, just what a fight it was. And, and, and it was just a great day for sort of Irish boxing in general and, and Ireland in general, like you said, with the rugby as well. So, a great day, great memory, good segment this week with uh, two fantastic fights from years gone by. And let's move over to, to this weekend now again it's pretty quiet this weekend I was saying this last week in terms of boxing there's one main bill on this weekend that we're all looking forward to watching and I'll start at the top of that bill it's a matchroom bill another Eddie Hearn promoted bill and the, the fight that everybody's been talking about in the past week it's Dillian White and Lucas Brown going toe-to-toe. It's for a WBC silver heavyweight title, so it's just a rankings belt. But Dillian White's got a lot to lose in this particular fight because he's earned his right now, essentially, to fight Deontay Wilder, who's the WBC champ. Lucas Brown, he was the former WBA champ. We lost it because of the issue with uh, the... When you talk about drugs, cheats and all the rest of it. I, I actually watched The Gloves Are Off this week with both of them on it and they were both talking about when they were banned and the drugs and uh, I never I never actually knew with Lucas Brown. It was just some sort of like pre-workout that he'd taken that had actually done it. But we talked about it last week and we'll be talking about it later on again in the show today that you just got to make sure you check all these things and you know, he was silly not to check that Lucas Brown but th- this is a fight which I think is going to be a bit of a slugfest. It's going to be a gunfight. These two guys are not going to take a backward step against each other. Lucas Brown is a slugger. We know that. We've seen his fights. The last time we've seen him over here was when he dismantled Richard Towers, which was a couple of years back. He just loves a good fight. And we know Dylan White can tear it up as well. We know he can be in a good fight. The fights with Joshua, the fight with Chisora. This is a fight I am genuinely excited for because... The winner of this goes to fight Deontay Wilder at some point later on this year. In terms of predictions, which is what people will probably want to hear, who do I think is going to win this one? Well, I think this particular fight, I'd have to favour Dillian White for this particular fight, just because I feel he's been in with a better level of opposition 
as of recent times, he's been a lot more active than Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown is a lot older at 38 years old. And I feel that Dillian White is the one that will take this particular fight. But I'm not counting Lucas Brown out because I know the guy can punch. I know he can knock people out. I just think Dillian White has become very smart in his last few fights. He's, he's boxed really well. He's known when to tear it up. He's learned a lot in my eyes from the Joshua loss. And I think he will win this fight at the weekend. Cahill, coming to you, what are you making of this one? Who do you think is going to win? Yeah, I'm going to go with Didion Weiss. I'm going to go by um, by late stoppage. I think the inactivity is what might do for Lucas Brown on the night. And just being in with the fresher fighter and Didion Weiss, um, I think Lucas Brown, you'd see him talk on the gloves are off when he says that he just he needs one punch in a forty in 45 minutes to knock him out. And if that's all he's kind of going on, it, he could be in for a long night because he hasn't been active. Um, his last real fight in with someone of real notoriety. It was the Chagawell fight, and we we seen what happened after that one. But it's a it, it's an exciting fight. It's good heavyweight dust up. I like Dillian White a lot. I think he speaks well, and um, he comes across well, and he just seems like he wants to have a fight. And I think on Saturday night he's going to get that. I think once he doesn't stand with Lucas Brown, he wins the fight. Um, I think he'll be able to wear down Lucas Brown. I don't think Lucas Brown, at his age now, I don't know if he'll have the engine for someone like Dillian White. And uh, and Dillian White is no slouch, hard hitter. Wouldn't be probably as hard a hitter as uh, as Lucas Brown, but if once Dillian White doesn't stand in front of him, and um, once he uses feet well, I think if he works his jab well as well, I think we cagey at the start and um, both feeling out. But I think once the fight kind of goes on, we could see I like, both will tire. But it'd be interesting to see in the kind of in the last straight where um, where Lucas Brown is at and um, will the inactivity do for him? For me, I think it will. I think this kind of fight is one where you want to be you want to be active and he's travelled a long way for this, so he's not going to give it up easy. And the, the shot at Deontay Wilder is, is on the line. Do I think the, if Dillian White comes out with the win, does he face Deontay Wilder next? I think he has more chance of facing Deontay Wilder next than Joshua does. So there's a lot riding on the line. I think Dillian White has a lot to lose and I don't think I think he's going to risk it on Saturday night. I think a smart performance from him. I think if he um, works his jab well, keeps on his toes. He doesn't, as I said, he doesn't want to stand in trade with Lucas Brown. But I, as I'd have to go with you on this one, Sean. I'd be, I'd be siding with a Dillian White win. I, I think he's going to win. I do think he'll box smarter. I've seen him box a lot smarter in his last few fights. Yes, he had a tear-up with Chisora. It, that fight was made for a tear-up, simple as that. But if you look at the other fights he's had, he's been smart. He's been a lot smarter with with, with his fight. He's not been as emotionally involved anymore. And he said that in, in the show a couple of nights ago on Sky Sports. We've we seen that. And we've seen that you can tell he's not as emotionally involved anymore now. And he's learning how to control himself. And that's that's what will win him the fight. The fact that he can control himself. Lucas Brown's going to come out all guns blazing. I think we're going to see that earlier on. I can't see Lucas Brown carrying the stamina all the way through the fight. I genuinely can't see that. I think he's he's not been active enough, as you've said. He's 38 years old. He's bound to tire at some point. And if... Dillian White makes him move, he's going to tire even quicker. So I'm sticking with that prediction for this fight. I think Dillian White wins. Late stoppage, I'd agree with that. I'd agree that could happen. Looking down the card, another tasty looking fight on the card is Lewis Ritson against Scott Cardle for the British lightweight title. And we've seen Lewis Ritson quite recently because he fought Joe Murray on the Victoria Warehouse next-gen show a couple of weeks back. So he's back in already. And Scotty Cardle looking to get the British lightweight title back against Lewis Ritson. Now, this is going to be an interesting fight because we've seen Lewis Ritson pretty much demolish everyone he's been in with recently. He demolished Joe Murray. I didn't expect it to go the way he did. I thought Ritson would win, and he demolished him. I can see the same happening here, if I'm being totally honest. 
because I've seen the Masha Dodd and Scott Cardle, you know, both of the fights. Masha Dodd is a similar style to Lewis Ritson. He comes forward, he pulls no punches, he just gets in there, gets his head down, gets stuck in. Lewis Ritson, he's not as brash as Sean Masha Dodd. He's a bit more calculated in his, in his shots that he throws, as we've seen. And I do think that this is going to be a Lewis Ritson win. And he's just going to come out of it looking even better. And then we're probably going to see the winner of Dodd Coyle in a couple of weeks' time face Ritson. That's how I see it going down. Cold, could you see Scotty Cardle maybe causing the upset here? No, well, I think it. I think it's a really exciting fight. It's probably the one that could steal the show if Cardell shows up. I think it's it's going to be a tough night for Ritson, but I do expect Ritson to come through. He's looked very impressive in uh, in the two performances we've seen him with Matchroom and picking up the British title and then blitzing Joe Murray last time. So he'll be fit and fresh. And it depends what Scott, Scotty Cardell um, shows up on the night. But it's probably the fight that I would be most looking forward to on the card, just in terms of out of, out of, like, out of pure boxing. It'd be exciting to see how um, how Ritson can uh, can deal with the kind of ring craft of kind of Cardell he has. He does have the more experienced Cardell, yeah. so um, this is a this is a lot probably the toughest phase, the toughest test of Ritson's career so far. So it's on a big stage. It'd be interesting to see how he how he deals with it as we as you were at the show when he uh, when he beat John Murray, and as you said, that kind of was a kind of a shock to see to get him out of there in the first round. So I don't think it'll, I don't think it will go that way on Saturday evening. Well, for me, it could be one of the. It could be the fight that steals the whole show. But I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go with uh, Ritson on this one. Yeah, I think um, it's exciting times ahead for him. And with that British title, um, he could he could win that outright this year. And that's that would be a huge achievement given that he's he's um he's only had two fights at Matchroom. So for me, it could be the fight of the night. But as I said, I'm gonna go with Ritson. Well, another fight that's on the card, which is, could be another potential fight of the night, is Frank Buglione going in uh, against another Gallagher fighter in Callum Johnson for this British light heavyweight title on the line as well. So this is going to be another fight which a lot of people are going to be looking forward to because we want to see if the improvements from Frank Buglione keep on coming. Now, I know he's been sparring recently with uh, Luke Watkins, one of the previous guests on the show. So I've seen that on social media. So I know he's been getting some really good sparring for this particular fight with Johnson. But... We don't. We haven't seen the best of Johnson yet. I think we've seen the best of Buglione. Maybe there's more to come from Buglione. He's got ambitions to go up to sort of world level, of course. We haven't seen the best of Callum Johnson yet, and that's what may might make Johnson the dark horse in this one. He, you know, he's a Gallagher fighter. They've got that sort of similar style, um, you know, sort of educated pressure style. So I'm expecting that Johnson's going to try and put the pressure on Buglione. But Buglione, as we've seen in the Jose Burton fight, he, he pulled it out of the bag. He grinded his way through that fight and he pulled it out of the bag at the end and he stopped Hosea Burton. So this is what makes it intriguing because a lot of people do tar Joe Gallagher as training his fighters in a very similar style. And if we see another style from Calvin Johnson the way we see from, say, Hosea Burton, then could we see the same outcome at the end of it? I don't know, but it's a fight that really intrigues me because I want to see whether Callum Johnson is ready for this step up. A lot of people think he is, but now we're going to get to see this now, finally, and then we're going to get to see whether Frank Buglione, you know, is he the best of British people are saying Lantini Yard might be the best of British. If Frank Buglione wins this, he is top of the pile for me at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a tough night for Callum Johnson. I just think that I've seen um, Buglione has done a lot of sparring over here in the Celtic Warrior gym. I just think Buglione is... He had a chance at world level. I think he will get that again. But um, Callum Johnson doesn't hasn't tasted defeat. And if he can put it on Buglioni, 
Um, he's, he has a good engine, Buglioni, but if you can put it on him, if you can steal maybe a few of the early rounds and, and kind of make it make it awkward, make it uncomfortable for Buglioni in there. Don't let him kind of have it all his own way at the start. Just kind of uh, kind of upset his kind of don't let him get into his rhythm. Callum Johnson is no slouch. He's one of the he is undefeated, but his record I wouldn't say is padded. He's be, he's beaten what he's been in with, and it's it's another exciting fight for me. The the two the two fights before the main event are probably the most exciting it's like exciting fights at night. It's just that the the main event is a big fight. So for me, I'm gonna go with Buglioni, but I'd have to say I wouldn't be surprised that if if Johnson can uh, can do his work, can obsess. Buglioni, don't let him get into it, get into any kind of rhythm. Don't let him kind of work that job that he is uh, kind of famous for. Then who knows? But I'd have to, I'd have to side with uh, Buglioni on this one. Yeah, uh, well, we've got a couple of other fights on the card as well, so it is actually shaped, shaped up to be a, a decent card. In terms of the other fighters on the card, we've got Anthony Fowler. Uh, Jamie Coxey was a guest on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Craig Richards and Derek Chisora. Now, the fighters that they're fighting, other than Anthony Fowler, who's fighting someone in uh, Kalilu Dembele, who's actually undefeated, he's, he's an obvious pro like Anthony Fowler, so I'm still expecting an Anthony Fowler win, to be fair. But Jamie Coxey's opponent has got a bit of a losing record. Obviously, this is a comeback fight for him, getting back in, you know, getting confident again, getting ready to maybe challenge a, another big middleweight contender in the division. And then we've got Derek Chisora who returns, who's looking at a potential fight with Joe Joyce. So he needs to look good in this, Derek Chisora, if he's going to land that fight with Joe Joyce, I'm sure. Or whether the, you know, if he looks awful, which we've seen him look awful against these journeymen, Haymaker and, and Joe Joyce might be licking the lips and thinking, yeah, we can take this guy. So there's a few of the other fights that are on the card. But when I look at the other fights that are going on this weekend, there's uh, a couple of interesting ones that I wanted to bring to the listeners' attention that I would say, you know, have a, have a look out for. Tyrone Zoiger is fighting. He's defending his WBA super middleweight title. People will know Tyrone from fighting Paul Smith uh, in one of his many title shots that he seems to get. <laughs> um, Tyrone Zoiger back uh, against Isaac Agpo. I expect a win there for Tyrone Zoiger. We've got a former Nathan Cleverly opponent in, still going in Carol Murat versus Travis Rees. Now, this is for the vacant IBO light heavyweight title. So, Carol Murat still plodding away there over in Germany looking for another title. A potential opponent in the future for maybe one of our British contingent, Carl? Yeah, perhaps. It is, it, it's kind of the boxing scene at the moment. There's a lot of kind of world titles around at the moment. But there's some British fighters out there that I think should be focusing on um, the fights in, in kind of mainland Europe and there's exciting, there's exciting fights ahead, but it's one of them that you can kind of get wrapped up in the British scene. But there's a lot going on in in the likes of Germany and kind of out in uh, out in the European mainland. And there's good fighters out there. And I think if you're one for boxing, I think if you wanted to not saying stream, but um, if you can find somewhere to watch that legally, you should be you should be definitely getting a, definitely getting around it. Well, before we go into uh, the next section of the show, which is uh, your section, Carl, the Irish Boxing Updates, uh, we've got another interview, and you managed to interview Ray Moylet this week as well, which, just in a social media post, actually, before we started the podcast, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, a face-off between Gary Spike O'Sullivan and Ray Moylet, <laughs> as it, uh, mimicking the potential Canelo fight in the future for Spike O'Sullivan, which was, uh, which was pretty funny, and if you've not seen it, go and have a look at the response that we put from BTR Boxing Pod, <laughs> it's pretty pretty good so we've got Ray Moylet on the show now we're going to put that on and then we're going to come back to you Carl and we're going to discuss some Irish boxing updates and then we've got the final segment and probably the most juicy segment of the show which is the news and gossip segment so here we go Ray Moylet have a listen guys so you're facing Matt Doherty on uh, March 31st I was just wondering how preparations going for that fight 
Yeah, preparation has been going great. I started back camp uh, the 8th of January this year, so I haven't fought since the end of October. So I've had 10 or 11 weeks there in preparation for this fight. It's the first time I knew my opponent started camp, as last year was all building. Um, it was it was just getting the name on the name put forward, you know, in the boxing circle. So last year was all building. This now, this year, we are improving to climb the ranks so the fights are getting harder and the camps are getting longer so my conditioner is also getting a lot better so 8 weeks or 11 weeks into training camp and I've never been as fit in my life and would you like to keep as busy as you were last year you had 8 fights you made your debut and you won them all would you like to be just as busy this, this I'd, I'd like to be I'd like to be just as busy but I'd like to have a better structure than I had last year you know last year I've had uh, two fights in three weeks or whatever like that so it's very hard for your body to to keep losing the weight and to get the, the quality of the training you know so whereas for this fight I my weight has progressively been coming down since just after Christmas and my sparring has been going great you know so we've had plenty of time then to work on tactics and technique and working to, with Packy Collins knowing who I fight and I know Matt Doherty's a come forward fighter so we know exactly what we need to do so we have loads of time to prepare um, our tactics for that and I'm not trying to cut weight in the middle of it and like it's great to be busy last year but this year we need to be a little bit smarter that we can get the most uh, preparation done in our training as well and how do you how do you find how did you find last year um changing over from the amateurs you had a had a very successful amateur career how did you actually find the kind of change over to the pro ranks yeah i was surprised really how well i took to it um like i was so busy last year i hadn't really time to 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 kind of play with or think about it so much i was just thrown from one fight to the other you know and and like the great experience of going over to Boston or these coast for Mark, you know, I had five fights over there last year. And like being thrown into that circle, like with, with Rockkick Murphy's and Murphy's boxing and the circles they introduced me to was unbelievable, you know. So I have a little fan base over there now and it's progressively getting bigger. So like the guys are looking forward to me going back again, you know. So I hadn't, I hadn't time to think about what was happening. It was just, it just all happened around me. Um, but I, I was just, I was trying my best in the boxing ring, you know, and then we sort of from there. And how did you find boxing in the US, where maybe people wouldn't know the name Ray Moylet, but it's, it must be exciting to build, to build your name over there. Well, growing up, you know, America is always what you see in the movies, or to be the where all the, the legends came from, Amdali, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, so America is always the pinnacle of your career and first um, first time last year, the told me of going over to Boston to fight, I was unbelievable. I have a brother over there, he's over there 20 years and he was always asking me to go out um, to, to, to box professional over there, but I never did until the opportunity came to Pascal Collins first and then Assassin Promotions and then into to Kim Casey and Dropkick Murphy's so, uh, like, they gave me the opportunity to do it, and we sort of worked we worked well together. So, my brother over there has a good um, establishment, and he has good friends, and they sort of come to support me, um, and now they're bringing their friends along. So, it's a, it's a little network, and once I keep winning, I think the network is going to keep growing, so that's what I plan to do. And when do, you, when, would, when do you fly to America now, ahead of the fight? I fly next Wednesday, the 28th, uh, three days before the fight. We sort of have a structure. Packy, Packy lived in Boston for, for so many years that 
we know the structure now. We we know when to sleep. Um, before you go over that, as soon as we land over, we're we're on the American clock, you know, and we know when to sleep when we're over there to to get the advantage to to get the full rest and to to recover or to to climatize straight away. So there are little tricks of the trade that you learn along the way. So Packy has that off to Ortega and we're just following suit. And what do you know, Matt Doherty? Um, eleven fights. I think he's lost three. What what do you know of him? Is it is this your toughest fight to date? It's definitely my toughest fight to date. You know, he's he's a fighter. He's a come forward fighter. Um, he like he's coming to win. You know, and maybe. It wouldn't be fair to say a lot of the guys that fought last year weren't coming to win because that's not fair to say for any fighter. But they were they were journeymen to a, to a degree. Whereas Matt Doherty still is a, he's a, a prospect really, and he's still growing his own career. So he 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 wants to win as much as I do, I'm sure. So I can't take anything for granted. But I just think my skill set is a lot better than his. Um, my conditioning will be a lot better too. And like I, I'm 20 years, I'm over 20 years boxing now at this stage. So. The, the little tricks and the, the, the tricks of the trade, I suppose, that I've learned through the the top end of an amateur career as well, I'll be able to carry them through um, into this into this professional fight with him. So uh, nothing that he can throw at me that I haven't seen before. So it, once I'm at my best, I don't. It doesn't really matter how he is, you know. And as you said, you have a, you had a glittering amateur career. What do you, do you think, um, given the amateur background that you do have, that Maybe you could be pushed a little bit quicker uh, in your in your pro career that these fights can can get tougher a bit quicker for you because you do have such a such an experienced amateur career. Of course, that's why we were so busy last year. I felt I could skip that introduction altogether, but thank God I didn't because every day I'm learning, whether it's in the gym or whether it's um, in a fight. You know, yeah, it's constantly learning. The program is a lot different, but. I couldn't imagine coming into this um, five years ago. You know, I think everything I've learned in my amateur career has benefited me to this day. You know, I've grown as a fighter and I've grown as a person too. I've matured into myself and into the weight, really. So the the amateurs are from high performance, you know, from my own club, even in St. Anne's. Like, the, all them little things have have contributed to, to where I'm at now. You know, and I, I couldn't skip any of that. But... In terms of moving along forward, I definitely think, or faster, I think it's, it's a necessity that I moved uh, uh, quicker than someone just jumping out of bed and trying to become a professional fighter. And you, as you said, you have been fighting out in the States and you fought a little bit in Ireland here. Would you like to fight more on these shores um, and, build, and build your crowd even more here? Of course. Like it's, every, it's, every child, it's every child's dream to to box at home, you know, and have all his friends and family around the place. And I'm in a position where hopefully I can do that this year, maybe towards the end of the year. But I am, you know, it's 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 a sensitive enough point because you your name has to be big enough that you're able to to build or to bring a big enough crowd to your to your homecoming or or our home show, you know. So we just we just need to be careful that I have the the, the right amount of people following me and and. Uh, and support that I that I can bring a show home, and I know the people of of Castlebar and Westport and my home of Island Eddy, you know, and Mayo, I suppose, will get behind me. But just to, I need a little bit more exposure now, maybe a few more TV days, and just get my name out there a little bit more. And then I, by the end of the year, as I said, I hope that we can we can bring a fight uh, back to Mayo. And what would you consider a successful year for yourself, right? I suppose I want to break into the European rankings. I'd like to I'd like to finish the year with a, a North American title or a Massachusetts State title. Um, an Irish title of some sort. You know, I 
I'm uh, you know one was all about building year two now was about getting your, your name into the mix you know I want I, I want pretty big fights I want as I said I want I want titles too that I can boast about you know I'm I want people wanting to call me out you know I want TV dates I want to be on Sky Sports I want to be on terrestrial television in Ireland I want to be on ESPN you know I feel I can do all that this year whereas last year I was sort of going with the flow and just trying to get my name anywhere really but now this year I feel we can take the right fights and we can we can progress that a little bit better and I can get the correct exposure uh, through TV or through through the through the right the right partnerships. You mentioned Sky Sports there, um, Ray, uh, whose boxing is covered by Matchroom, um, who've recently signed Dinier Yelisinov. What do you make of that decision by Matchroom? And if that was put in front of you, that fight, maybe in America or something like that, because it looks like Yelisinov is going to be pushed in America with Matchroom, would that be a fight that you would be interested in? It's definitely a fight I would be interested in, but don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a serious operator, you know. We fought way back now in 2008 in the World Junior Championships and I beat him but it was a close fight and scoring was different then. And I sparred him a couple of years later before the World Senior Championships in, uh, in, in Kazakhstan as well. So I have plenty of experience with him and he is probably one of the best boxers I've ever stood in the ring with. But I'm not here, I'm not a professional boxer, I'm not a fighter by trade because I run and hide of anyone. I would jump in the ring with Mike Tyson if I had to if I felt that it was the right move at the right time and I know I have great people around me so I know when the right move is and if that is if that deal ever comes to the table I will definitely snap it up and, and look at all our options but it, it, I would love to test myself against the best and I feel he will be one of the best so why not test myself off him and, and know where I'm at then like where, I'm not here to cheat anyone or to card anyone I I believe I can be the best that I can be and if that takes me to the top then we're good and well but I'm not going to shy away from, from any opponents out there One thing I did want to touch on with you Ray we have uh, very good boxers in this country like Katie Taylor um, Spike O'Sullivan do you think that the boxing coverage in this country is enough do you think maybe we should push boxing as a sport more in this country yeah, it's hard to know, but uh, thank God boxing is grown a small bit in the last couple of years. You know, since the Bernard Dunn era, um, maybe 10 years ago, we've ha- we have sort of forgotten about professional boxing, and it's really frowned upon or stereotyped that, you know, even growing up, my parents would have w- would have disagreed with professional boxing because of, of maybe people that thought were involved in it. But thank God we've sort of moved on from that now. And there's so many new professional Irish boxers and new talents moving forward, like the Michael Conlon, you know, like great signings that will only lift the name of Irish boxing. And like to turn pro a few years ago, you had to move to England or to America, you know, to do it realistically. But thank God, no, we've options. We've a couple of the couple of trainers around around Southern Ireland already, you know. So it is, it is building, but I think we still need the support of of the media, you know, even through social media or through the television. So we still need to keep pushing on that. And just to to to, to brush off boxing, we can't just tap into the boxing community because the boxing community is a small enough community. It's not it's not like the GAA or, or the soccer fans, you know. So the, the the people of Ireland need to buy into the individual or, or to the athletes themselves, you know. Like, we're all professional athletes and we're trying our best. So even if they're not interested in boxing, if they could 
maybe back you as a person. If I could get people that would be interested in me and what I do and my commitment, you know, that would be that would be one way of doing it. Because as I said, the boxing is, is just a small part of it. It's a, it's a lifestyle we're all living and we, we, we all need support. Every boxer out there couldn't do it alone. You're, you're working in the gym, the Celtic Warrior Gym. What's it like working with guys like Niall Kennedy, Spike O'Sullivan, Stephen Ormond? It, it must be really competitive, but it must also spur you on when you see those guys succeed. And it must be a great learning kind of um, a learning curve for you. Of course, I was never I was never someone who used to jump out of bed in the morning to go training. You know, if anything, I was always looking for the the ways out or the shortcut. But like going to Celtic Warrior Gym and training with Packy and Spike and like it's it's a little community, it's a little family we have there. Like if they're not pulling the face out of you, if they're not playing practical jokes, they're trying to help you along. You know, there's there's a great camaraderie ship or there's a there's a connection there with us all, you know, and we're all trying to help each other get to the next level because we know how hard it is. We, we're all sacrificing our lives outside of us, you know, our, our, our personal lives, and we're, we're putting it in, and we're, it's, we're gambling, really, because we don't know what's at the end of it for us. We don't know if we're good enough or we don't know if we get the breaks, you know. So we are, we're all gambling, really, but we're doing it together and we're helping each other. There's no one trying to take someone's place. Like, coming from the high-performance team, whereas... There were, there were, I had three people going on my back every time um, there was a competition coming up, you know, and if I got injured, that meant I was off the scene. Whereas now, if I got injured training, I'd have nothing but people around me trying to get me better for myself, you know. So definitely working along with them lads. And there's, like, the amount of belts that have to come into pa- to Packy's gym, you know, Celtic Warrior, with Craig O'Brien and Spike and Niall and Steve Norman in the fight, hopefully coming up soon as well. So, like, there's a lot of a lot happening there, you know, so it's a great buzz and a great feed that we can all push off. One last thing I'll touch on with you, Ray, before I let you go. Uh, will we see, we, will we see, we, you're advertised for the June card with Dropkick Murphys. Will you be out uh, in between that, in between your fight on the 31st and your fight in June? Yeah, so we, I sort of have a little deal with, with Kaz and Assassin um, and we try not to look past my fight. You know, he, Obviously, he he needs to plan what's happening for the year, and Packy needs to plan, and I'm sure King Casey needs to plan. But just from my amateur days, and my, myself, Martin Brennan is my old amateur coach, he's, he's involved with me as well. We, we sort of don't want to look um, past this fight. So I know my name is on that June card, but I don't know... I don't know. I don't have any details about it. Obviously, I hope to be out in between it again, and I hope to be out after it again, you know, but I'm just... I haven't asked too many questions or who am where like I don't I only figured it out over the weekend that it was actually on. So it's just my 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 interests lie with Matt Dart, you know, for March thirty first, you know, and everything outside that really is matterless at this moment of time to me. So once that fight is over, I look to the next one then. But until that's done, um I'm not going to plan any fights until um, I get that win under the belt. So there we go. Interesting interview there, Cahill from Ray. It was really good to hear from him, to be honest with you. You know, we talked about him a little bit on the podcast last week about him, obviously being over in America and fighting for uh, different types of titles over there because of the way, obviously, the American uh, boxing scene is. It was really interesting to hear from him, and it's good that they've got a fantastic gym over there, the uh, Celtic Warriors gym, and. Yeah, he's, he's 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 really got his head screwed on. It was really good to hear from from someone this this point in the career that just knows what they want and knows how they're going to go out there and get it. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. He he talks about structure and he talks about how um 
how the how fighters should be promoted and that he kind of said that he was very active last year and he thinks that a little bit of structure this year will kind of be more beneficial for him because he, as he said he was kind of just he was getting those wins under his belt he turned off from amateur and he had a fabulous amateur career and did Ray Moylet so it, it's good to see kind of he knows what path he wants to take he does believe that the right people are around him so he's not gonna he's not gonna slouch anyone and he, he's willing to fight anyone once it makes sense and, that, and that's kind of good to good to see he's not just being guided by um, by a promoter or by kind of trainers or anything like that he has his own kind of mind and he knows which which direction he he should be going in he's he's, he's only in his mid-20s so he's it's really exciting times ahead we've seen that um matrim signed the kazakh yelentsov uh, recently and moilet has beaten him so if you haven't checked out uh ray moilet it'd be one that um you should be getting on straight away because there's a bright future out there for ray Absolutely, looking forward to seeing his progression over the next year or two. Uh, now we've got a new segment to the show. I felt it was the right thing to do with this new segment because I felt you've got the the knowledge of Irish boxing, Carl, and I think it's it's good to hear the, the way you talk about it so passionately and the information you provide to listeners that might not already know about this side of boxing over in Ireland. So this is your segment. Let's hand it over to you, Carl. Give us the Irish boxing updates for the week. Yeah, so this weekend, uh, March uh, March twenty fourth, Celtic Clash Five coming up. That is um, that's going to be on here in Dublin uh, with the main event, uh, Stephen McAfee against uh, Colin Donovan, which is is a juicy kind of main event to say the least. A really exciting fight, and that's for the BUI Super Featherweight title, Celtic Clash Five. I was at Celtic Clash Four recently, and they're, they're great cards, and it's great to see Irish talent. Um, the last one was on the National Stadium. It's it's one of them at the National Stadium. You're up close and personal. You get to kind of you can hear the shots land, and you can see the you can see the kind of um, you you get to see the fights up close. You get to see what the guys are doing, and you can kind of. You get a real sense of it, and I always kind of advise anyone who who is getting an interest in boxing to go ahead, go along to a show at the National Stadium, and the, these kind of shows that Celtic Clash Five is on in um, is on here in Dublin, and there's some exciting exciting fighters on it as well. We have Niall O'Connor, we have John Joyce, we have Kane McMahon, we have Owen Duffy. It's all exciting Irish fighters coming through. Kind of the records wouldn't not loads of fights, but these guys are coming through, learn their trade. It, it, it's if you want to get in with Irish boxing. Pop along to Celtic Clash Five. I'm sure there's a very limited tickets, but you you could get you could get one um, still. Um, you have Karen McDonald, Chris Goovy, and you have Martin Quinn. All exciting fights, and the main event, as I said, a real kind of it, it's a juicy one. It, it's going off on Saturday evening with Stephen McAfee and and Colin Colin O'Donovan. So if you if you can get along to it, definitely pop down and show your support. Um, an exciting card, and it's put on with. It's 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 these are the kind of small house shows I was talking about here that we have in Ireland. You have um, Boxing Ireland promotion and uh, Tony David putting behind this, and that's it, it's great to see because these guys maybe if they were just the chance to have to fight in Ireland, they maybe they wouldn't get the attention they deserve. So I'm happy, I I, I I'm delighted to see these kind of shows getting the notoriety they deserve. Big shows get being put on again, and these guys are all coming through, and and it's all really exciting at the moment. So this Celtic Clash Five, we've um. They started off with obviously Celtic Clash, so they've obviously got a bit of following, and people want to see it. So it, it, it's really exciting times ahead. So that that's this weekend, and I'll have um, I'll have updates um, next week of of how that of how that show went. Thanks very much. It's really good to hear. Obviously, that we don't get to see some of this stuff or hear about this stuff in the mainstream media. So it's nice to hear about some of these guys, and it's nice to give them a little bit of exposure as well through the podcast outlet. So. 
if you guys uh, who follow us are over from Ireland, listen to Cahill, listen to what he's telling you, get yourself over to the National Stadium, get watching some of these great shows that they put on, uh, and also give all the guys a follow on social media, find the careers, watch what they're doing, follow them throughout and see what happens, uh, and each week, obviously, Carl will bring you an update on Irish boxers and Irish boxing across well, all of Ireland. <laughs> right, let's get to the uh, the favourite part of the show. This is a personal favourite of mine. It's the news and gossip section. It's really good social media for giving us this type of information, rumours, speculation, uh, actual boxing news, of course, uh, in, in the midst of all that. And there's a couple of things that we want to go through this week. And the first one was Anthony Crawler being added to the AJ Parker bill, which is on the 31st of March. Happy to see Anthony Crawler back. Obviously, you talked you talked about Irish boxing. This is Manchester boxing for me. I've followed Anthony Crawler's career for a very, very long time. And I've actually known Anthony Crawler since, well, since his amateur days, to be fair. He used to he used to train up at the college where I used to study uh, in the same boxing gym. I used to train in the same boxing gym as him. And then he's just elevated his career to a new level. And he's got another fight against uh, Edson Ramirez, which I don't see it being a difficult one for him. I see it being a nice activity fight to get him back in, ready for what could be a potential fight in the future with Luke Campbell. Now, I've got some news on Luke Campbell now, which uh, I want to I want to talk about a little bit later. I said now, I want to I want to leave it because I want to give you the opportunity, Carl, to come back and talk about the Anthony Crawler addition to the Parker Bill. Yeah, it's great to see Anthony. It's, it's great to see him on the big cards again. Not that he was off them, but he's, kind of, he's going in with Edison and... It's one of them that we get to see how Anthony is coming back, as you said, an activity fight. But it's on a big stage, and it'd be interesting to see where he's at. And this is going to be a fight where, if he looks good, who knows, a world title shot might be, may not be out of the question again, because Anthony is one of them that he's, he always seems to be one fight away from from getting a world title shot and stuff like that. So he's in and around the picture, he's in and around the scene, and um, I'd be interested to see what uh, what Anthony Crawler shows up on, uh, on May 5th. But uh, I think it's... It's make or break kind of time for Anthony Crawler. I think these kind of performances, once he looks good, he's getting world title shots. If he doesn't, people might be saying, yeah, you're, you're not at that level anymore. So I am excited to see Anthony Crawler on May 5th. And I hope that uh, hope we get to see the, the man that deserves so much. Anthony Crawler seems to be one of the nicest guys in boxing. I've never I've never actually spoken with him, but he always comes across as such a genuine guy and has, has such a story. And you'd be hoping that he has those big nights still left in him, and hopefully May fifth is the start of the. Yeah, well, just to clarify, <laughs> sorry to point this out. You know, it's one of them things when you're doing the podcast. You, you, you sometimes you, you think of certain dates in your mind, and you think of all the fights that are going on. It's the 31st of March, the AJ Parker bill that Crawler's been added to, uh, not the 5th of May, which is the Hey Bell you won on the triple. It's because we've got Canelo on the mind because we're going to be talking about that a little bit <laughs> later. That's what it is. Don't worry, I I make these mistakes all the time. To be honest with you, and I'm. Talking, and then when I listen back to the podcast episodes, I'm thinking to myself, why the hell did you say that? It's just what pops out of your mind at the time, to be fair. It's not that I don't have any boxing knowledge, because I do have a little bit of boxing knowledge. It's just that sometimes you get a bit ahead of yourself and you start thinking about all the other fights that are coming up. Like I was doing a little bit earlier on, because I started talking about Luke Campbell. And the news is that Mikey Garcia is going to vacate his lightweight crown, the WBC lightweight crown. And it's looking like there's a possibility that Luke Campbell... Uh, he's ranked at number two and he's going to be fighting for the WBC title in a rematch against Ivan Mende, who's ranked number one. So that 
is some great news to hear. If that actually comes off, I'd be really looking forward to seeing that rematch because Luke Campbell had the worst of nights against Ivan Mendy in the first fight and you've seen how well he's come back from that and you think about all the stuff he's had going on in the background with his with his dad and his dad was ill for quite a while and then he's you know unfortunately he passed away in the build-up to the Linares fight and he's had so much to deal with that it doesn't really get into mainstream media other t- until the event has actually happened afterwards so I've got a lot of respect for Luke after what he's had to go through and I really want to see him go in for a world title I think he's world level I really do and imagine if he avenges that loss to Ivan Mendy he's only lost on his record as well and to win a world title at the same time yeah, it must be as sweet as anything that what do you think about that rumour then would, would you like to see that happen yeah I'd like to see him avenge the loss to Ivan Mendy and his only other loss is Lanara so the Mendy one was one of them that I remember watching it and kind of going what, what's going on here why is because it was almost like this was the shining light um, uh, Luke Campbell so if that was to come off a chance at a huge world title and a chance to gain revenge I think it would be the perfect platform to really push on for Luke Campbell. Maybe um, they were expecting a little bit more um, at this stage of his career. He's 19 fights in. so. But I think this would be the perfect opportunity for him and that perfect opportunity to win a world title and to get revenge over Eva Mendy because he really, really didn't show up that night. It was I remember sitting there watching it and kind of going, this is kind of, people were led to believe the hype of Matt Room. But what I've seen from him since, and he came up short against Linares, but Linares, we know what a class operator he is. So, if he could avenge that loss with even Mendy, who knows, he might get another crack at um, Linares as well. But a chance to win a world title, and I think a, a real chance for Matt Room to get really behind him and build kind of huge shows around him as well because he has the skills, he has the look, speaks well, he has the backstory, and um, he's one of them who's been through the mill away from boxing as well. So you'd like a kind of um, a good news story when it comes to Luke Campbell and one that I'd be rooting for. That if you can get in with Mendy, avenge that loss and pick up a world title, I'd be absolutely delighted for him. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see it. And... Um I, I, again, I've got to correct myself again there because I just realised that I'd said he only had the one loss on his record. He, you know, I, I knew he got beat to Linara, so I knew it was uh, two losses he had. But in terms of avenging the loss, I'd love to see him avenge that particular loss because on that night, particularly, he, he, he looked terrible and he wasn't on form like we seen him against Linares. That's for sure. And even then, when you think about the fight now and what he had to go through, losing a parent the way he's had to lose his, you know, his father, and he still put on a performance like he did against Linares, it kind of makes you think if he was at full capacity and he, you know, his mind was fully on the job and he didn't have that going through his mind at the time, could he have beaten Linares? It's quite possible he could have done, given that he gave Linares a really good showing and the second half of that particular fight. Uh, but other gossip and other news that's gone on this week, it's something you pointed out to me earlier on this week, was Floyd Mayweather applying for his MMA licence. Now, we touched on this a few weeks back, you know, for, uh, he's, you know what he's like, he's having a bit of a joke as usual, and but he's seriously applying for an MMA licence, and he's saying that he thinks within six months he's going to be ready for the octagon. What, what, what do you make of this? This is another money-making scheme, surely. Yeah, I think he has another kind of a huge paycheck on his mind. He must be bleeding through money. Um, I can't see why he'd want to do it unless he is stuck for money because he doesn't stand a chance in the octagon and that kind of thing. So unless he's really going to give us, I don't think he should be stepping in with anybody like um, with Conor McGregor, maybe the likes of CM Punk. It's just strange to see someone of kind of Floyd Mayweather um, his notoriety, the fact of that he has money in the bank, he doesn't need to do this, but fair play to him for wanting to push himself so much. So 
you kind of say props for that, but um, wouldn't be one I'd be advising them to do anyway. I can't, you know what? I don't even know what to say about it. To be honest with you, I just think it's ridiculous, and it is gossip. To be fair, but it's just gossip that I, I, it's get it's getting what it wants. Really, this is exactly what Floyd Mayweather wants. He wants people like us on podcasts talking about it and spreading the news. So. I'm not going to really give it too much more on it, to be honest, because I don't agree with it whatsoever. I don't think it's the right thing to do. He's just burning through money. Obviously, the you know, you know what he's like. He loves his money. He loves a big payday, and this is what he's going to get out of it if it happens. So I'll I'll leave that one at that. But there's a couple of other bits of stuff this week that really uh, really got me sort of excited and uh, controversial stuff as well. Next on the list was the Sourlands tweeted out about their signing fighters for season two of the World Boxing Super Series. And the question is now, what divisions are we looking at? Now, I put a post out on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat earlier on in the week and someone else within boxing media had, had put a potential lineup or a rumoured lineup uh, in the super lightweight division featuring people like Terry Flanagan, uh, Maurice Hooker, and there was Maggie Garcia involved, Josh Taylor involved. There was Adrian Broner, funnily enough. I don't know why he'd be involved in that, because he's not done nothing of note recently. But yeah, Super Lightweight Division World Boxing Super Series. Is it going to be that one? I think it's more likely to be the heavyweight one. There's a lot of rumours of the heavyweight one coming coming to the forefront. But either way, I think we've, we've said this so many times on the podcast, we can't wait, no matter what division it is, I don't think we care. I think we just can't wait to see another World Boxing Super Series because of how well... It's and how 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 good has it been? You know, this is this is massive. Season two of World Boxing Super Series. We're gonna to get to see the best fight the best and maybe undisputed champions. We can't argue with that really, can we? No, you can't argue with it at all. And I think any division, no matter what it is, if it's one of the kind of lighter divisions that um maybe doesn't get the coverage that it serves, it's gonna it's it's just gonna kind of it's only going to do good, and we've seen that with the cruiserweight division. I don't think I've seen this much um, interest in the cruiserweight, cruiserweight division for I don't know how long. And for me, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd be looking at the heavyweight division. Um, I think that would trump everything for me. I think there's so many personalities, so many big fights to be made in the heavyweight division. And I think the perfect platform for that would be the World Boxing Super Series. Um, it's who willing to enter this now, but I think if you go into that competition you're in good fights, you don't come out with your legacy kind of tarnished at all, because I think it's, the, at the end of the day, it's the best fight and the best, and I think the Sarahlands are onto something here, and I, I really can't wait for the, the second instalment of uh, the World Boxing Super Series, but we still have two great finals to come, so um, I think uh, we'll be seeing more of the Sarahlands and more of a, more of Keller anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Can't wait to see who it is, who they sign and what divisions it is. It's exciting, exciting times to be a boxing fan for sure. Uh, another controversial bit of news this week. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, Cahill, but it was regarding uh, Undisputed Champions and Showtime refusing to accept, well, not refusing, it's more like neglecting the fact that Lennox Lewis was classed as an undisputed heavyweight champion because it was referring to undisputed heavyweight championships and I think it was the heavyweight uh, clashes that are coming up that they were referring to in that particular division and they completely missed out Lennox Lewis beating Evander Holyfield in 1999 to be an undisputed champion and Lennox Lewis 
Oh, he, he didn't take too kindly to that, uh, that's for sure. If you've not seen it, guys, you need to go into Twitter and look at the responses because Lennox Lewis, he, he, you could tell he was pissed off with that. And I, I, he's got every right to be pissed off with that, to be honest with you, because he was the undisputed champion at the time. Do you, you, know, you know what the reason is behind it? I don't know, again, if you've heard this, Carl, but the reasoning behind this particular statement or mishap from Showtime is the fact that he never actually held the WBO heavyweight title at the time so the fight with Holyfield uh, was for every other title including the lineal or ring magazine belt uh, everything but the WBO title so they're saying in fact actually he wasn't the undisputed champion Mike Tyson was the last undisputed heavyweight champion because he won every single belt back in the late 80s what do you make of this whole saga? Uh, I, I just looking at some of the tweets and the way kind of Showtime almost did, did I wouldn't say with cheek, but almost kind of with great way they say with great respect to Lennox Lewis, we stand by our research team, and they're kind of telling them that you aren't an undisputed champion, and they're, they're standing by it. And Lennox Lewis is right because he's been in there; he knows what he's won, and. It's kind of back and forth. Kind of di- for me, it's disrespect. Um, it, it's to do with the WBO, WBO title. But it's, I think Showtime have had a couple of these before, these couple of little run-ins when um, they don't really back down. Um, it's it's kind of, they're trying to, I wouldn't say they're trying to tarnish the, le- the legacy of Lewis, but um, they're not paying a full respect. And I think Lennox Lewis is in his full right to kind of have a shot back at them. And you'd be hoping that maybe an apology is issued or it's kind of dropped. But, for Showtime to say they're sticking by their research team and that kind of stuff is is a bit much. And the legacy of Lennox Lewis goes down in uh, in history. But I think he he'll be secure enough in uh, in knowing what he's doing. And I don't think he's going to worry about um, too many too many people on the uh, Showtime research team anyway. No, no, it's for sure. I think it's just a, I think it's just a bit of a misstep, really, from the Showtime team and the analysts. And yeah, they could sit there and say that, and he's not an undisputed this, and he's not an undisputed that. But at the end of the day, at the time, at the time, the titles that he won, they were regarded as the titles of the division. And yeah, you could sit there and argue the points, but at the end of the day, as far as we're concerned. He was the undisputed heavyweight champion at that particular period of time in that particular era. So they need to just they need to just shut up. To be honest with you, that's the way I feel. I think they just need to sort of back off a little bit here on this one. But no, they're standing by what they say. So leave him to it. Lennox Lewis was well within his rights to say what he said. But I just thought it was very controversial, and a lot of people are suggesting it's because that particular fight was on their competitor's channel, which was HBO. So they were refusing to acknowledge the fact that it was on HBO Boxing and not Showtime's channel, which if that's, if that's the case, that's a bit ridiculous, to be fair. Trying to discredit a man's achievements because of the fact that they've got a rival with uh, another TV competitor, which they've had done for years. It's stupid. Absolutely stupid. But fair play to Lennox Lewis. He stepped up to the plate. He said it as it was. And that's the end of that one. Um, we've got one final interview for the show before we wrap up with uh, the the last little topic of conversation for this week's episode. And I'm I'm really pleased uh, and and proud to say that you've managed to get Gary Spike O'Sullivan as the final interview for this week. So you completed the trio uh, of Irish fighters out of the Celtic Warriors gym, and it must have been a great honour for you to particularly get that interview with Gary because, as we've heard. 
you know, earlier on, and we've talked about it, and we're going to be talking about it after the interview, the potential fight with Canelo. So it's it's really good to be able to have a chat about a potential fight with such a big superstar um, as, as, as Canelo is. So I'm going to stick that interview on, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it in a few moments. And then we'll go through the final segment, which is related to this particular topic. So, uh, guys, if you've been listening, if you're still listening with us at this point, or you're picking it up a little bit later on, you're going to really enjoy this one. So, here he is, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, giving us Cohol's Co- interview. Um, Gary, I'll just run through a few okay. questions, and uh, I won't keep you too long, okay? Yeah, you're not a bother. So, um, I think the, there's only one place to start um, with the big news. Um, is the Canelo fight happening? Um, yeah, I have to fight first on the uh, fourth. Is there any opponent the it lined up for May fourth? Is it could it be um could it be Lemieux? Won't be Lemieux anyway, no. And yeah, you don't you don't have an opponent, um don't have an opponent yet, no, but I expect one to play very soon. I know you're not looking beyond May fourth, but uh, how exciting is it to uh, to be lined up uh, to face someone of uh, kind of Canelo stature for as you said, the three world titles? And this this kind of fight is is massive and probably the biggest fight that any Irish fighters had in a in a long time. Um, how disappointed were you when the Delhi, D- Danny Jacobs fight uh, fell through? Did you think that maybe a chance of a big fight in the states is kind of passed you maybe a little bit? Well, um, <coughs> initially, like I was offered the Jacobs fight by Eddie Hearn, and you know, I, I could have taken that fight if I wanted. To. You know, I, I wanted to begin him, but Gordon Boy talked me out of it. They told me to give me Canelo. Said if I didn't take it, I didn't fight Jacobs because I'm promoted by Gordon Boy, and uh, you know. Uh, Is it <clears throat> is it that both these need to win um in May so the fight can happen or is it is it is it a fight that um is gonna happen, it's just a matter of kinda of getting these fights getting these done in May and then they use face in September. One thing I did want to get uh, get your view on Gary was the um, the recent news of a failed drug test from Canelo. What was your uh, what was your reaction to that when you did find out? And do you think maybe the fight um, with Canelo has been a little bit tainted, or do you think that they can get over this kind of thing? How do you see the fight going on May 5th? Do you, do you see it going perhaps maybe the way of Golovkin this time? I know that you said that you'd like Canelo to come through now because it has ramica- ramifications for you. How do you see that fight going? Uh, I think, I think Golovkin will win. I think he'll get the 
apprehensive of the lockdown in the first place and they maybe showed a bit more too much respect and I think uh, we might go into this fight with more confidence and uh, possibly win, win this fight on point. But I don't know if that's my heart over my head. <laughs> and is that is this, is this is what you wanted when you were signed to Golden Boy was these big fights? When I see in the fight um, being rumoured I was kind of thinking, geez, it's 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 a it's a huge step. Not I wouldn't say a huge step up from the Jacobs fight, but in terms of kind of um, build, it's huge. You're going in against either the, in some people's opinion, the number one fighter in the world. Does that does that that doesn't daunt you? Is that something that would would motivate you? Motivates me, yeah. You know, um, <coughs> I've always said I wanted to fight the very best. You know, and a lot of people do think he's the best fighter in the world. And uh, my own brother was only saying to me uh, that him and his nephew, my nephew, my brother, and my brother and uh, my nephew's son, they were speaking. Uh, So is it that you face you would face Canal? I think that I seen that you said that Saunders would then face um, Golovkin. Is that right? So, so I believe. Like I not, I obviously I'm not pretty sure Saunders or Golovkin's managers, but that's the rumours I'm hearing anyway. And one thing I did want to get your opinion on: Billy Joe Saunders had to pull out of uh, the Martin Murray fight. Um, how do you see the Martin Murray fight going? Do you think it's one that Billy so- Billy Joe Saunders just has to get through for these bigger fights, or do you think that um, maybe Martin Murray does have that one last chance in him to get that world title? Well, I believe the Martin Murray should be already born. thing I wanted to, to touch on with you Gary I know you don't know the opponent for May 4th but um, how is preparation going how do you feel now that you're back in the dream, back in the gym training for a fight it's very good um, I've done 10 rounds today gym, you know, 7 weeks up in the fight so you know, I already feel better right now than um, I have done a few years back going into fighting some weeks up in the fight so uh, preparations are, are going again for maybe the third time in a row I think move up within the gym and you know um, my diet is far better hasn't been I think I'm actually improving again now I've sponsored there by gym nutrition and uh, Another thing, Kerry, is um, I was speaking with uh, Niall Kennedy and Ray Millette last night um, doing an interview with them and they said, I was just asking them what they thought of maybe the media covering more about boxing in this country. Do you think maybe the news of kind of maybe perhaps you fighting um, Canelo will kind of um, bring that mainstream attention for boxing in this country that maybe it's lacked over the last number of years? It won't do any harm anyway, no, I think it will uh, no, bring a bit of uh, well, like, like, like Conor McGregor for, uh, you know, for the uh, MMA What's it like in Celtic Warriors gym now at the moment? The place must be buzzing. Everyone's doing well, and and you're a big, huge fight news now that is coming up. And it it seems to be that just from the outside that the gym is is really coming up, and everyone seems to be making their name. It must be great to be a part of it at the moment. Yeah, it's like we were kind of buzzing a few years back. Fight uh, enormous, fight Terry Flanagan, and then a kind of small of a lull, I think, and we're kind of back up there again. And we got Craig O'Brien, Stephen Norman is still there, and he's training hard, and we had a big fight. He's thinking he's to look for maybe Anthony Corral or something like that. Just, and like Kennedy's flying, obviously, and they had a very successful uh, first year. And, yeah, you know things are good, and there's a lot of other fighters over there as well. 
trained by Tony Davitt, so there's a lot of good sparring in the gym. And, you know, the good boys in the gym and Ascala, you know, he's um, trying to get bonds all together and it's good, you know, it's enjoyable to be in the gym, yeah, very, very good. How important will it be coming over the next couple of months or the next few months, how important will that team be for you, having the likes of Pascal and your, and your, and your training partners and your gym mates? How important will they be for you, probably going through into the, the biggest stage of your career? Well, one thing I did I did want to get your opinion on was the last time I spoke with you was before the um, the George Groves Chris Eubank Jr. fight um, what did you make of that fight I know it's a bit out now but what do you think that maybe Chris Eubank Jr. should change now and what, what he'd be able to change do you think people are kind of going to be turned off to him a little bit um, One thing we'll be discussing on the podcast this week would be Irish boxing. One thing that I that I've kind of I want to touch on with Irish fighters is what would what do you think could be done more in this country to kind of shine a light on on, on professional boxing in this country? Um, well, was maybe a bit more coverage nationally here in the country like RT. You know, they they, they came over to uh, my fight and uh, like that was that was very good for me. You know, and uh, I noticed um, you know, my missus worked in um, a shop centre and a chemist when I was walking down the uh, shop centre. Far more people recognised me than ever before. I think that was who uh, RT. That would be good if they done a more important on that boxing. I could support the rugby in the GA a lot more. The boxing is our most successful sport. And, and lastly, I'll finish up on this one, Gary. Would you be able to give me your uh, your favorite Irish boxing moment from from your past? Maybe what, maybe a fight you've seen or or something that happened that you that you could, that you recall with kind of fondness when it comes to Irish boxing. So there we go. Great interview there with Gary Spike O'Sullivan. Uh, it's really good to hear from Gary. It's the first time I've ever been able to hear from Gary in terms of boxing media. So it was really, uh, really great for you to get that interview with him, Cahill. And it was, it just sort of speaks volumes uh, for, for for the way the podcast is going. And I'm really, really proud of of this particular moment. Uh, but tell me about how you feel because obviously Gary Spike O'Sullivan, he's a legend over there. Yeah, he's probably um, he's one of the most rec- recognisable faces when it comes to Irish boxing and. Uh, but one of the biggest characters as well. I've interviewed him a few times, and Gary's always so accommodating with his time, and and, and such a nice guy. But point that all, he's such a genuine guy, and that's why I was so thrilled for him when I heard that um he could pay, he could possibly be fight Canelo in September because 
he wants the big fights. He wants to look after his family, and these kind of fights are going to enable him to do that. And Gary's been on a on a great winning run, and he's been building his um building a his kind of record again in um in America. And we've seen him we've seen him box here in uh, in the British Isles as well. And he's 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 looked brilliant in his last few fights. And I think Gary's on that point now where he wants to secure his family's um his future and stuff like that, and he wants to win world titles and be in big fights. And and for me, he um, he deserves all of it because he um, he's he's put so much into the sport and he's he's always been uh, willing to fight whoever they put in front of him and he does have a fight on May 4th and I think that'll be a big fight too so I think um, we could see the best of Gary Spike O'Sullivan this year I think he's going to be in some really exciting fights with some big names and they don't get much bigger than Canelo and um, that's why I'm so excited I hope uh, Hopefully, the hopefully he can come through May fourth, and hopefully in September he gets that he gets that huge fight, and perhaps it could be for all for for three world titles. And you can hear it in Gary's voice how excited he is. I'm sure he was disappointed when the Jacobs fight fell through, but it's it, it's one of them that it was one door one door closes and one opens. And I think this one here that's open for him, the Canelo fight is is one that he couldn't turn down, even if he was offered the uh, the Jacobs fight. And I think anybody would understand that the Canelo fight is bigger than the the Jacobs fight, and it's a chance at world titles, and it's a chance to and um, kind of going a long way to securing um, his kind of family's future because uh, that's what that's what he wants to do. He's a real family man and, and a real genuine guy, and I'd, I'd have a lot of time for Gary. And they're also they all come across so friendly in the in the in the Celtic Warrior dream and always so accommodating at the time. And that's what I found out over the past few days. And I have interviewed them before, but just over the past few days, they're kind of words and being so accommodating with interviews and stuff like that, and be willing to give their time across in the evening is is something that um, is something I won't forget and something that I do really appreciate. And uh, hopefully, I'll catch up with Packy now in the next few days to get get an interview with him because um, it was him who kind of started it off last week and it was a it was a real honor to see Packy say those kind of stuff um about the podcast and what we're doing and it's one of them that I don't th- I, I won't be forgetting it anyway and I I know you won't be either Sean it, it's really appreciated from all the guys there Celtic Warriors and and um, especially for just giving their time out their business schedule they're all training in the gym but they they had no problem giving up a few minutes just to have a chat for the podcast and I I, I think uh, I think it speaks volumes about them as as, as guys and, and and as pro fighters absolutely it does and like he was talking about uh, Spack O'Sullivan, Gary O'Sullivan there, and it was really great to hear from him, and it was great that he's giving you that sort of time, and at the moment, he's very much in boxing media news the past few days because of the announcement that he's very much looking like a signed, sealed, and delivered fight with, with Canelo, uh, regardless of the uh, Triple G result, which we'll talk about in a minute, so I am really pleased that Gary took the time out to speak to you, and he speaks volumes for, for us, and it's, it's, it is a proud moment for the podcast because, you know, we set I set this up initially by myself uh, September last year September 2017 we started off like I said in previous episodes going around looking at the local fighters giving them the exposure getting yourself on board Cahill and it's, it's since then it's been you know testament to you really because it's been a revelation you know, we've came up with some fantastic ideas we've been able to get in touch with some great people and it's credit where credit's due for yourself uh, in, in that respect because it, you know you've really helped elevate it to another level and it's great now that we're getting feedback off the guys from the Celtic Warrior gym you know I quite I felt really proud looking at that information and looking at the response you you was getting uh, as an Irish boxing fan turned sort of Irish boxing media journalist it, it, it must be fantastic to sort of get that it's, it's respect isn't it at the end of the day it's the respect you're getting from them and that, that means more yeah. than more than anything to me so thanks guys for, for for giving that respect out and and giving us you know the feedback that you have and we really appreciate it uh, and anyway 
Let's move on to the, this very final part of the show, which is the fight that we wanted to talk about. It's not so much the Spike O'Sullivan Canelo fight, it's the Triple G Canelo fight I'll, I'll focus a little bit on. And Triple G's actually had his say this week on the matter. Uh, and I was surprised, to be honest with you, by Triple G, because I wasn't expecting him to rise up to it. But I think he's well within his rights to say what he said. He's turned around and said, Canelo is a dirty fighter, as in he's taken drugs and he, he even said that he feels he, he probably took drugs before their first fight which it's, it's, it's a difficult one because you can't always tell what the effects of clenbuterol actually does if he does anything to enhance the fighter's performance people are actually saying I think it was Lucas Brown funnily enough on the gloves are off was saying it doesn't do anything it hampers your performance like you would know Mr Lucas Brown of course um, <laughs> so it was it was interesting for him to come out I've never um, seen Triple G get that emotionally involved to be honest with you take take what you will out of that is it emotional involvement I think it is I think Triple G now wants to go out there and prove a point and knock Canelo out because he didn't do it in the first fight and that's not you know Triple G as we've seen in most of his fights he's knocking most of them out other than the Jacobs fight as of recent times he's stopping everybody stopping a lot of very very good fighters so it makes you wonder now about Canelo and whether he, whether he was juiced up before the Triple G fight but I, I, I'm happy for Canelo um, not Canelo sorry I'm happy for Triple G for coming out and saying what he said because it needs to be said you know it's, a, it's about time someone said it and there's lots of rumours going around social media that there's been more tests failed I don't know how true them rumours are that could be a load of uh, rubbish I don't believe everything you read on Twitter uh, and on Facebook and Instagram etc but if that's the case it makes it even worse and makes you wonder why the fight's still going ahead it also makes me wonder why other people would want to I know Spike Sullivan's got this potential opportunity for him in September and he wants to secure this future for his family but really why would you give a guy like that an opportunity to, to fight for a big purse because you're giving him the same same opportunity to make a lot of money and Canelo's the one that's going to make the more money than Spike Sullivan because he's the one that's classes the bigger draw essentially so regardless of this fight it seems like Canelo's going to get a second paycheck against Spike Sullivan in September which I'm all for Spike getting this paycheck, but I don't believe Canelo should be in the ring if he keeps failing tests like this. Yeah, it's good to see kind of Triple G come out and kind of have his say on the matter. Um, it's one of them that I don't want. I, I, I don't want it swept under the carpet. I think it needs to be out there, and I think we need to do. I think we need to get the opinions of everyone involved. And it does seem to me like it's been completely swept under the carpet. And, I think it has been forgotten about already and I think it's just almost a kind of, it's almost a running joke now at the moment, the kind of, the Mexican meet and then you hear Lucas Brown talk about it saying it hampers your performance. I hope that people don't get this perception that God, you go, why would he purposely take kind of things like that? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he did take it purposely and I, and I part of me does um, believe of the kind of the Mexican meat story but there's either stupidity in there or there's something more sinister and it, it seems like it's been swept under the carpet and it's nice to see kind of Triple G come out kind of going who's a clean fighter and kind of saying he's kind of having a say and it's, it's he's kind of pretty pissed off that this is kind of overshadowing it and he doesn't want it to overshadow the result on the night and for me and I, I, I think the fight is going to go ahead actually I've no doubt the fight will go ahead uh, I don't, for me I'm kind of torn between the two I don't know if it, if it should go ahead and then I also believe that it, it wouldn't make any difference this is still going to happen even if they cancel it so I think something needs to be done I think it should be done before the fight but I don't think it is now and I think it's got to the point now where 
they're not they're not going to turn back. Uh, it's a huge fight. Too much has gone into it, and it's good to see Triple G, as I said, have his say. But I think it's been done now. I think we're not going to get any more out of that in terms of justice or anything like that. I think maybe the last and effect of this is that Canelo's legacy is tarnished, and I think that's going to hang over for the the rest of his boxing career. And no matter what he does, no matter what he goes on to achieve, if he's pound for pound number one, or he goes on and undefeated for the rest of his career. Um, there will always still be that question mark over at this kind of period in his career and rightfully so because this kind of thing doesn't deserve to just get swept under the carpet and forgotten about um, I hope the, the fight with Spike O'Sullivan comes off in the in September and that's 100% just purely as a kind of um, a huge fan of Spike and uh, someone who's enjoyed speaking with Spike but uh, I don't think this kind of thing should be swept under the carpet. I, did, I think there should be um, should be ramifications for him, and I don't think uh, I don't think it should be. I don't think can, that should. I don't think that Golovkin um, should keep his mouth shut. I'm glad to see that he's had his had a had a say and uh, shown that he's shown what he really thinks. And to use the word dirty, we all know what he means. So uh, I think a lot of people have that opinion, and I think a lot of people are going to be siding with um, with uh, Golovkin on the night. So uh, be interesting to see how the build up goes ahead of this. Will it will it be a bit more spiteful? Will it kind of have that um a kind of uh, aggressive side to it that kind of um sometimes it makes uh, fights bigger, but pity will be for the wrong reasons. I think this will hang over the fight and will hang over the result as well, and then it's going to hang over Golovkin for the rest of his career, unfortunately for him. But um no matter what he does, there will always be a darker period. There'll be a dark period over this time in his career. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally, hundred percent agree with everything you've just said about the fight. We'll just have to wait and see what happens now, and and hope for the, you know, that I, I want Golovkin to win the fight now. You know, before I was more of a Canelo fan than I was Golovkin. And now I've just completely gone off the guy for obvious reasons, and now I want Golovkin to categorically win this fight. Uh, and I hope obviously Spike O'Sullivan gets a big fight, and I hope the Canelo fight does come off for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. But if not, hopefully he might get a fight with Golovkin. You never know; he might get some good paydays out of that, and potentially a good shot and a good opportunity at a world title, which is what he deserves at the end of the day. Uh, but that about wraps it up for today's episode. It's been a very long episode. Bear with us on this one, guys, because there's three fantastic interviews from great Irish lads on here and this is the opportunity we give them to, to put their side across to the media to talk about their careers themselves the potential fights so you know if you don't get to listen to it all in one go I don't I, you know I totally understand that because it's, it's, it's a bit of you know the an hour an hour and 45 minute episodes it's a very long time not, not everybody has an hour and 45 minutes at one go to do that but please listen to the full episode because you know we talk about everything from boxing over the past week we've got three great interviews on this week I just want to obviously also give big thanks out to the guys from Celtic Warriors Gym of course for, for providing us with the interviews and giving us the time this week and the feedback that we've had again great shout outs to all the people that have been giving us feedback over the past week on social media really appreciate that as well I always have to give big thanks to the sponsors for the podcast because at the end of the day without them this podcast wouldn't be possible and we've got Chia Protein Bar who actually I went to see them last week and they provided me with a fantastic meal and we'll be doing something with them in a not too distant future and the Stereoplast Healthcare Limited who you hear at the start of every episode the advertisement for their stuff that they do without them hosting this podcast wouldn't be possible so big thanks to them and the support that they provide to this particular podcast as well so you know where to find us it's at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook at Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. When you see the episode come out, make sure you give it a share because that is vital for us to keep getting this around and keep getting the word out and getting you fantastic guests on to this show each week. So give us a share, like us, follow us on social media, get on the Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat social media outlet as well. 
We've got the YouTube channel there. You know where to find us on there. It's Heat Sleep Boxing Repeat across all platforms. So that's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you'll see the latest interviews with Joe Joyce at the weekend, Roxana Begum, David Hay. Get on there as well and get us, give us a subscribe. It'd be really appreciated for that. But back to the podcast. And Carl, I want to obviously give you the last word uh, and just anything else for the rest of the show today. No, I don't. No, I've nothing else to add on that, Sean. But um, I just want to have a big uh, kind of thank you to Ray Mullet, Noel Kennedy, and Gary Spike O'Sullivan once again. I really appreciate it, guys. I know you've listened to the episode, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out. And uh, it's it's complete respect to yourselves, and and um, you've kind of you've given us uh, such good feedback, and it's great to be able to catch up with you during the week. And, and when it comes to the episode, yeah, it is a long one. But um, if you break it up through your day on your way to work, on your way home from work, maybe during your break, maybe during your lunch break, or if you nip to the gym after in the evenings, um, it, it, it's an entertaining one, and it's it's one where you listen to great interviews and, and great insight from myself and Sean, and and give us a listen every week and a like, and give us a, a subscribe and a share on all your social media platforms. Because if you know anybody that's interested in boxing, I think they'll be interested in this podcast and listening to interviews with fighters and kind of getting them um, the up to date news each week and it's that me and Sean, as I say, nearly every week is something we love doing, and it's an excitement thing for us. So we like we love providing it for you. So uh, and it you could do to help us out. Um, any questions you have, you know, you can send them across. Which is no problem. And anyone you'd like to see us interview, anything like that, uh, don't hesitate to let us know, and uh, we'll hopefully get on it for you. And I hope you do enjoy the episode because uh, we do we do give it our all each week. And I hope um, I hope uh, I hope this one, even though it is a long one, you can break it up throughout your day, or maybe if you have a, a long bus journey or train journey somewhere, I think uh, I hope it'll keep you company. I keep, hope it keeps you company while you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself there, to be honest with you. So, guys, you know where to find us again at BTR Boxing Pod, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Give us a follow, give the episode a share when it comes out on the Thursday night, as always. Uh, and thank you very much for listening. And as always, we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.